Thank you for calling the five star hotline. Please open the show after the tone. Welcome to the truck show with your hosts, Holman and Lightning. <laughs> oh, why you got to come at me like that? Nice. Damn, that's not the way I want to start the show. Before we tell you about episode 148, I want to talk about Nissan. Now, Holman, you don't know this, but tomorrow morning at around 11 a.m., yes. I'm going to pick up a customer's Nissan Titan, and I'm going to have it for two days. Does he know this? Uh, yeah, yes, he does. <laughs> okay, he, just want to make sure that you weren't yeah. just saying you were picking it. No, officer, I was just borrowing this no, fine I've, Nissan Titan. I've got some cockamamie excuse that I want to use it for R&D, but really I just wanted to drive a Nissan Titan around for a couple of days. Uh, you just wanted to uh, sit that butt in a comfortable zero-gravity seat because your uh, Mini was beating you up. Um, I'm not going to say that the uh, stereo no longer works and the left headlight. Oh, you experienced oh, that. I, I saw the you headlight. You saw that when yeah. I was winking at you the other <laughs> night? <laughs> well, your car. Yeah. It's weird if you It wasn't it. a euphemism. I was. Uh-huh. It was the uh, the driver's side headlight. Well, I did an, an HID upgrade at yeah. one point, and it's now just it's failing me. And it was... It was a good. Well, we'll talk about that some other time because I need some uh, some HID pointers. Fortunately, you won't have to worry about any uh, HIDs failing you on the LED equipped Nissan Titan. That's the future, my friend. LEDs they just they don't go out. So that's what I need. I need my, my the guy's Titan, and I need him to have the new LED system uh-huh. so I can and just, a radio because uh-huh. clearly you have issues. Uh, he's got the Fender audio system. Why don't you? It's time to sell the Mini. So that's what my wife says. Oh, did she? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Like I mean, hardcore. I'm practically your work wife, so now both of your <laughs> wives are telling you what to do. It's just time to go get a little Nissan Frontier. I can't believe this is just happening right now. I'm ha- you didn't know that my brother just bought a Frontier. No, I didn't. He legit. We're supposed to call him. Oh. I just remembered right Should now. Should we call him? Do you want to call him right now? Uh, we can. Before the show starts? I mean, sure. Why not? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Get your uh, phone out. Plug it in. We'll dial. We're going to call my brother Ryan. This will be weird. Where's he on Mars? What's Seriously, going on here? What is this? Even if he knew it was weird. He probably wouldn't pick up? Yeah, he would pick up. Hello? Hey, it's uh, Lightning and Holman, Truck Show <laughs> Podcast. What's happening, Mr. <laughs> Tillis? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like there's a um, some sort of conflict of interest having... Uh, your brother. By the way, uh, Lightning never speaks of you, and so we need to get to the bottom of that. Uh, do you actually uh, claim him as your brother, and are you actually related by blood? We are related. Uh, nobody claims anything. Do no. you call him Jay, or do you call him Lightning? <laughs> I do call him Jay. Yeah. Do you call him other things? <laughs> yes, he does. He's not going to say those <laughs> Absolutely. publicly. Yeah. All right, so I heard a vicious rumor that you went out and bought yourself a uh, mighty fine Nissan Frontier. Is this true? Uh, I did. So a uh, 2012 Nissan Frontier Pro 4X. All right. I like the Pro 4X. Got the fill stock. Fully loaded. So what yeah. happened is is that he grew up in Southern California yeah. with me, of course, uh-huh. and then got a wild hairpiss butt to go live in Colorado. Okay. So he and his lovely but I bride. he was a pilot. Why would he not just fly there? Uh, he could okay. and does, right? But he So anyway, he ended up in Colorado renting a really rad house up on a hill in the snow and all that. And he says, Have Uh-oh. you ever been there? Uh, I have. You've been invited, or did you show up just because it was Thanksgiving? I surprised him. No, no, no. no. He, he invited. I went up with the boys. Yeah, so we went up there and hung out. It was an awesome place, which I hope to go to again soon. Uh, but he says, 
he they took his wife's uh, uh, BMW and it just wasn't cutting. And he's like, I need a four wheel drive truck. And, and so he, he was looking around and he sent me a bunch of links. He said, which one of these? One of these was a Nissan Frontier that looked immaculate. And Ryan, explain to us what you bought. So I did. I bought, I just stumbled upon it completely randomly walking around uh, various lots and uh, one caught my eye. I just it looked at it like it was in really good shape. And it was, yeah, like I said, in a, a uh, 2012 Nissan Frontier, the Pro 4X model. But whoever owned it before uh, was probably like me, just meticulous. It only had 30,000 miles on it, spotless, no dent scratches, anything. You know, everything's already done. The roof rack, tinted windows, uh the hard uh, bed cover, everything. So I couldn't pass it up. I, I think uh, what's really interesting about that is 30,000 miles means that you have uh, 970,000 miles left on that. In oh, if he's going to go the million miles? Yeah, because we had uh, our listener that uh, that went a million miles in the Nissan Frontier. And so, Ryan, just to let you know, think about that. You will have that truck for another 970,000 miles. <laughs> You'll never, ever, uh, ever. Well, you know what? <laughs> Around here, it wouldn't surprise me. Every used car I look at, I mean, people drive here, and it they ever, it was you couldn't find anything under a hundred thousand miles. So when I saw this, I jumped on it. So how are you liking it so far? Uh, it's awesome. It's great. It uh, I was actually out in the snow with it today in four wheel drive, and it, it with just all season tires on it, no snow tires or anything, and not an issue at all. Do you like it it's better great. than your brother? Well, why would don't ask that? Because he will say yes. I'm just I'm trying to get. The I, don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't. I don't want to. Well, wanna hear I that. just I feel like you know you don't haven't talked about him enough, and so we need to really get to the bottom of uh, well. You know, I mean, it's family just, therapy right now. Here's the thing: is he's always lived well. He lived well close. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like he's a car guy like me. I mean, we're all car guys. I mean. He's uh, but this is hey Ryan, you have a better radio truck. voice. You want to do a podcast with he me? Does, yeah. Now that you're a truck owner? <laughs> I don't know how much I could actually talk about him. That's the sad part. I love trucks, but I don't know enough. Well, well I mean, he, that's like he, your brother. He had another truck that was a utilitarian four-wheel drive truck, uh-huh. and it was getting long in the tooth, so he jettisoned it. And and this was a good reason to get another one. And I just we, – we wanted your early opinion of the Frontier. Having never owned a Nissan truck before, just wanted to get your, you know, one to five, five being best – how, your early rating is what on this on this frontier? Uh it's a four point something. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to fill that in with a nine nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good. I feel uh, I feel closer to Nissan because my brother owns one. All right. Well, uh, will you ever let Jay drive it? Uh, we'll see. You know, if he comes up here and, and there's some good reason for it. He doesn't trust me. I can tell. You can tell, right? All right. I don't trust anyone driving any of my cars. One last question. Uh, Older brother, younger brother? He's younger. You're the older one? Yeah. Really? I'm I'm like 90. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He'd be dead if he were older. (laughs) This has been a moment with Lightning's brother. A moment with Lightning's brother (laughs) in his frontier. Yes. All right, Ryan. Thanks for uh, humoring us for our uh, segment of uh, professing how awesome Nissan trucks are. Not a problem. All right. Talk right, to you. you. All right, bye. If you're interested in uh, buying your own Nissan Frontier or Nissan Titan, head over to NissanUSA.com or check out your local dealer where you can get a, uh, a killer deal on a 20 because the 21s are just around the corner. And, of course, the Titan comes with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Which, as you can tell from Ryan's experience, you won't need. You'll never use. <laughs> You'll never use. It's just, it's just a waste. You don't need that warranty. Oh, man. You know what we forgot to do? Mm, I don't. Forgot to tell him to get a deck system in the back. Oh, that would have been smart. Yeah. I mean, we should. He's uh, got a tonneau. 
But you that doesn't substitute for a deck system. Yeah, but what if he uh, still wants lockable, secure storage that's weatherproof, mm-hmm. but he needs to still carry stuff in the bed of the truck? He does have uh, a couple of rifles. He's like you. He's a gun fan. I like him better than you. He likes trucks. He likes uh-huh. guns. Yeah. He owns a Nissan. Yeah. yeah. My kind of people. He trumps me. How do? And he's a pilot. Yeah. How are him and I not friends and you and I are? That's weird. I mean, you can exchange one for the other if you uh, feel so... Uh, Inclined. Huh. I mean, I, I do plan on going to Colorado in the not too distant future. Huh. All right. Good to know. All right. Next time I it's, go to Colorado, it's the I'm Ryan gonna... and, La- and Holman uh, show. <laughs> I'm going to get in a uh, Nissan Frontier and uh, drive it with reckless abandon with a deck system in the back of it. If you uh, are also interested in picking up a Nissan Frontier or the uh, Nissan Titan or Titan XD with the industry's best five year, 100,000 mile warranty, hit up your local Nissan dealership or nissanusa.com. And if you need a deck system like Ryan does, deck.com or at Decked USA and get yourself hooked up with the only lockable, weatherproof organizing storage solution that's endorsed by the Truck Show Podcast. That's saying a lot. (laughs) (laughs) The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with the Truck Show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The Truck Show, the Truck Show, the Truck Show, oh, oh. It's the Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Hey, that's us. Man, we've got a lot of show to get to. That means... We start talking about it. You ready? Go. On this show, episode <laughs> 148. Oh, you know, it's funny. I got a uh, an email here from our friend uh, Trevor who says, uh, Lightning, I heard a Groundhog Day moment on episode 147 at one hour, three minutes, and 13 seconds. What is wrong with you? Get it together. I don't know what he's referring to. So I don't know what the other timestamp was, so I'm not sure what... Trevor. He's saying I repeated myself? I, I guess so. You just said it, too, so it must be true. Huh. Yeah, go find it. Maybe you'll find a part of editing gold that, <laughs> that we left uh, left behind, left in the the last episode. I mean, we. I'm usually pretty good about that stuff, but- I mean, no. pretty good, but, you know- Not perfect. Now, there's some editing uh, nuggets of gold out there, so- uh, Are there? Yeah, I think <laughs> if you're a longtime listener, uh, you probably know where a few of those uh, landmines are, are hidden in our, uh, in our past episodes. Um, we usually put them out and never listen to them again, so uh, water under the bridge, we're just moving forward. Can we uh, can we just move past this and call Mark? Oh, you mean by starting the show with a guest? Yes, that would be good. Yeah. A second guest already. You got like a bonus guest in in this episode. Oh, you're counting Ryan as a yeah, guest? Yeah, absolutely. That was a very short guest appearance. Well, for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to give uh, Mark Hanchette, the founder of Atlas Motor Vehicles. If you'll remember, he came on, uh, I don't know, about 100 episodes ago, it seems like, and talked about the future of electric truck technology from uh, Arizona. And uh, they just announced... A bunch of cool stuff going on from a crowdfunding campaign to their new battery technology, working on new charging technology, and uh, we wanted to check in and uh, see what's going on over at Atlas. Before you dial, I have something to play. Somewhere along the way, we started letting people tell us what to think, what to do, how to feel, how to act, and we forgot about work. We traded impossible challenges for what was easy, what was expected. We became so afraid of failure that we were distracted from what we should have been doing. And we forgot about how to keep it all running. We failed to recognize how delicate it had all become. And now, 
a new threat has crept in, and everything has just stopped. It's left us painfully alone. It could have destroyed everything. But it didn't. This has given us perspective. It's reminded us of what's really important. It's shown us that even apart, we will still work together to be together. More so than ever, we need to realize that our workforce is essential. Their days are long. Their days are hard. They are simply exceptional people who choose to do work, the hard work, every day. There's always been work. There will always be work. Soon the lights will come back on and we will rebuild. But we have to do this differently. The world has changed. We've been given an opportunity to begin tackling the hard work. And we need to get back to reaching for new challenges. Let it drive us. We know that we're ready. We always have been. People think that we're just making trucks, but it's more than that. It has to be. At Atlas Motor Vehicles, we're building a better world. And we promise you that we will always work. Join us. I've seen a lot of promo videos, Homan, and that um, I th- well actually, executed. There's yeah, a lot of like uh, it made me emote. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, like uh, the quality of uh, cinematography is uh, is pretty great, and the uh, storytelling there. I mean, I it it makes me want to ask more questions. And since I happen to know the guy, why don't we just give him a call? Wait, Mark Hanchett from Atlas? Yeah, that guy. All right. Hey, what's up, guys? Hello, hello, Mr. Mark Hanchett. It's Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. How's it going? Uh, good, man. How are you guys doing? We're what? outstanding. Uh, we we have to apologize in advance no, for no, the no, intro. I, Wait, I already you... texted him. I'm oh, apologizing in advance for his intro. Okay, good. Because right, well... I don't think last time we had you on, we had this intro. So I think this is new, so we're going to uh, we're gonna use it on you. It's all new and all wonderful. Stand by. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? So this is what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Get it, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> there will always be another crappy job. That's the moral of the story. That's and, right. Uh, so if it doesn't work out, you've always got, uh, the I, I don't know, Kmart. Nope, there's none of those left yeah, either. <laughs> no, there's none of those left either, right? I don't have a plan B, so uh, so it has I'm to not work. Sure, <laughs> yeah. No more either Kmart's. way, either way, I'm begging for money, I guess. So it, uh, you know, it's all the same. All right, well, we, we're going to help you uh, beg for money for you by having you on the show. But since the last time you <laughs> okay. came on, um, we, uh, I guess, looking through the news, you guys have announced quite a quite a few things, like your fast charge battery tech, and of course, you've got the uh, crowdfunding. Why don't you bring us up to yep. speed with uh, all the things that have changed at Atlas since the last time we had you wait, on? Wait, wait, before you answer, Mark, I want to just say that preceding your call, we played the video that's on atlasmotorvehicles.com. And it's this two-minute and 20-second mini-movie, mini-movie, and it's really moving. Like, it actually... How would you say it's motivated? Was it electrifying? It was. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Hold on, I got one. Wait, hold on, let me just... Here he goes. Thank you, you. I'll be here all day. 
So <laughs> it really was well shot, and I love it where you it's, – it's obviously – you must have shot it just over the last couple months because it, it references Corona and how everyone is, you know, uh, businesses are, are in the toilet and you're going to stick by the worker. And you're not only making a vehicle for workers, but you are workers. It was just it just tied everything together so nicely with a bow and it had the big crescendo at the end. I I just I was impressed, and it was great leading into this interview. With well, it. and I, I got the feeling that maybe the, there was I don't want to call it a shot across the bow, but maybe there's another Arizona manufacturer that you could read into the subtext of uh, of your video there. Um, nothing intentional. I'll say that. No, but you um, know, you know what I what I liked is um, you spoke to the working man, and you said, you know what, a lot of these. You didn't say government. You didn't say politicians. It wasn't political at all. But it was really just about like, hey, people are trying to undermine the worker. Yeah. And we are here. Yeah. We, we we are you, and we're making a vehicle for you. And I just, I thought it was rad. Well, I, you did get the chills and that little tear in the corner of your eye. That was no. That's a te- <laughs> no. That's a teardrop when I killed a dude. Oh, that's a tattoo. Yeah, Sorry, I thought yeah. that was real. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, why don't you bring us up to speed with uh, what's happened uh, since we talked to you last, which was probably I don't know. Was it nine months? Maybe almost a year ago. Yeah, I had imagine. to do more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, it was like right before the whole pandemic, right, and that whole crisis and stuff like that. I think you guys. He tried to reach out like halfway in there, and I, I was I was going through a, a two week. Uh, well, how do I put this? Uh, I was suffering for two weeks there. Let's see what's happened since then. Obviously, uh, we moved into a, a manufacturing facility. It's a space large enough to get us into uh, pilot production. We have continued on development of the the battery cell technology and the pack technology. We've actually got a a press release coming up here uh, and a couple of other events coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks here. Um, So we'll be sure to to send that information off to you guys uh, next week and the following week. Where the the real big focus right now is that the team has grown from a small one to, I think we're, I was told about 48 today. Nice. That's a big one. Um, So we're, we're growing and we're growing at a pretty decent clip. We're trying to hit that 160 number by uh, Q1 of 2021. So uh, we went from roughly, I think we were like anywhere between five and 15 when I talked to you last, and now we're at 48 and we're hoping to hit about 160 here. And and I Um, heard, uh, is it true that your podcast department is hiring and you need two podcast hosts to uh, get this out to to the masses? They have a podcast department? Is that true? No, I'm just trying to get a job out of it. No, I know. I'm just, (laughs) I'm fun with you. (laughs) He's like... He's <laughs> trying for some extra income here. That's we'll right. definitely. Hey, um, listen, we'll, we'll go to Arizona at the drop of a hat. Yeah, if you uh, <laughs> when, when the uh, I don't know when it's all clear, let us know. We'll we'll take a drive out because I think we had talked about coming out and seeing you at some point, and then you know the Rona hit. So uh, you know if there's a right. chance to come out uh, in the future, we're we're all all uh, all game for that. Yeah, if, absolutely. If you don't mind, Mark, I want to kind of rewind a little bit and let, let's explain to everyone. How Atlas, because in the last, I want to say six months, we've just been hearing from so many companies that are uh, uh, working in the electrification of vehicle space. How is Atlas different? How are you different? What's your roadmap? Ah, So um, what I'll tell you is uh, outside, you kind of touched on it earlier, right? One thing that's different about us is we're really not trying to hit that sort of lifestyle market. We're very much so focused on the work market. So uh, our biggest sort of 
customer fan base and everything is really it's people that get things done right it's your tradesmen it's your people that work in agriculture farmers it's uh construction mining all of that right that sort of falls in those different categories and that's what makes us different from a targeted segment what makes us different from a culture standpoint is we are the embodiment of the vehicles that we're building all of us we're all truck people we all love what we're doing here we're technology people at the same time uh, we don't believe in sort of doing things at the status quo we believe in really pushing things forward so culture wise it's just this different mentality that you're not really used to in this sort of innovation technology space that that you typically hear about a lot but from a company perspective what's the roadmap look like uh how do i sum this up ecosystems will rule the world going forward do you talk so are, you, are you referring if, to like an apple like ecosystem where well it's probably yeah. gonna be your your app your truck your charging infrastructure or charging technology all of those types of things all wrapped into one. So the experience from point A to point B, if you will, is all with the same manufacturer. Is that the idea, Mark? Yeah, it's seamless, right? And imagine not just the truck, anything else that's sort of built on that platform that you either use for work. We're all, you know, we're obviously thinking, hey, we're building this uh, class four, class five vehicle that could go class six, um, you know, we could build RVs, we could build vocational vehicles, we could build all sorts of stuff. But it's this idea that anything you do that's really dedicated to like to start to work and any other verticals in that space, we build this ecosystem of of products and solutions that sort of seamlessly work together. Remind the audience real quick too, like what's the capability of the platform? Where are you guys at now in terms of your your goals for payload and towing? Because we've talked about it before when you were on. The truck, again, is made for work, is made for those tasks. And that's, you know, you your battery technology and motor technology really has to be up to par to be able to do those those types of loads and, and work. So where are you guys at on the on the platform? I mean, and, and if you can, and I forgive me for bringing up the other competitors, but I have to because our, our audience, audience is aware of it. The Hummers, the Ford F-150s that's going to be electrified, the Cybertrucks, right. the Bollingers. The, there's a whole handful of them now that none of them really hit the street yet. So you're all in kind of this together, but you've got an angle and I want to know what it is. Yeah. So technology wise, right, we talked about the battery stuff last time. So Atlas is uh, the only EV sort of truck startup today outside of Tesla, which is kind of in a different market. Um, that is developing battery cell technology and pack technology. And the reason we're doing that is because when I think work, I think high power output for long periods of time. And then I think I don't want to sit at a charging station for an hour to two hours. I want to plug in 15 minutes later. I want to get back on the road. I want to get back to whatever it is I'm trying to get done and keep moving. So um, that's the big differentiator that sets us apart. Now, motors and chassis and suspension and stuff, we're looking at, uh, you know, high power output, 600 plus, 800, 900 horsepower for extended periods of time. We're talking about 10,000 pounds uh, per axle uh, weight ratings, front and rear, so, or up to 10,000 pounds. So when we think like trucks, we think F-150, 250, 350, right? Then we start thinking 450, 550, Atlas is really in that 250, 350, 450 segment right now. That's where we're targeting with the ability to move into that sort of class five, not quite class six with a little modification. We get to a class six with minimal changes, 
right? Think like a bigger airbag and a little adjustment in suspension, and we get there. And we're really trying to develop a product that is so versatile, that's modular, that's simple too, that we can build a segment of vehicles across the sort of class 2B to a class 6 uh, segment and do that in such a way that it's also very easy to maintain. It's very simple to work on, right? Because it, this is like the work environment. They're going to break stuff, right? Things are going to happen, and we need to be able to fix that and do that effectively. Uh, so my, you know, our ultimate goal is 20 minutes to get you up and running on the road again. So if something breaks, 20 minutes later, that part is repaired, replaced, and you're up and running again. Have you always been in the electrification uh, um, zone, or was there ever a minute when you thought, hmm, that uh, Nikola hydrogen thing, like that, that's got legs? Or was it always like, seriously, that can't be done, it's way too expensive? Like, where are you? Uh, the, the latter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it's... It's uh, I, always in the battery electric space, yeah. Uh, looked at other technologies, looked at hydrogen fuel cells, looked at all that stuff. It doesn't make economic sense to chase that uh, when so much investment is done in the battery space that it's going to surpass the benefits of other technologies that are out there in a very short period of time. So when you look at the uh, the landscape, I guess the really the only other company that's maybe on the radar that's going after the exact same part of the market that you are is maybe the Lordstown slash workhorse uh, team. But then yep. you also see Rivian and Bollinger starting to get um, deals for their chassis. So a Rivian van from Amazon or delivery vehicle for Bollinger. So how, how do you fit into that with some of the early startups getting that funding and starting to make their way into fleets? And, and how do you counter that to make sure that you've got people looking at your product as well? And, and do you go like, oh, my God, they got Amazon. Damn it. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I mean, Amazon is a, it's a, it's a brand, right, that's out there. It's popular uh, for obvious reasons. So the first thing is I never chase a competitor. Uh, so if someone else is doing something in a particular space, I'm not going to chase them. I'm going to look at where everyone else is avoiding what they're not doing today and go after that because that's, that's that sort of sweet spot that it makes it easier to focus on that. It makes it easier to, to enter in that particular market space and build that brand. And then, you know, eventually we can move into some of the other markets that are being touched by some of the competitors that are out there. I think when you look at electrified chassis or, uh, product groups, it's again, it's ecosystem. Are you building uh, a, an electric chassis that still requires a tremendous amount of integration that doesn't have the rest of the ecosystem built out? Or are you building an ecosystem that allows other organizations or, or product groups niche sort of spaces to come in and say, hey, I want to electrify my buggy, whatever that is. Uh, and if this can work within the ecosystem, I can now market this to specific customers for specific needs, and it all sort of seamlessly works uh, from the customer standpoint, but allows that particular upfitter to be successful at the same time. So when I look at like last mile delivery, I'm not concerned about that. There's a lot of players in that space. There's a lot of fragmentation. I can tell you that no one's hit that sweet spot yet, which is, it's really cubic feet of storage space per gross vehicle weight rating at the lowest gross vehicle weight uh, vehicle because you they're trying to get it to a point where you don't need a special license to work in that field. So is that a particular area that we're interested in? Absolutely. Is it something that no one else is doing today? Yes. So that's a target for us. 
that's a possibility for us. How do we deliver value from that particular customer from the vehicle side? Then how do we deliver value on the maintenance side, on the ecosystem, on the charging ecosystem, on the everything else that's there? You know, it's funny is uh, hearing you say all that, whether it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur listening to this segment, to this interview, you just laid out a amazing business strategy for somebody wanting to break into to whatever the space is. And you just gave them the blueprints on how to be a successful entrepreneur. I think that was uh, that's pretty cool. You know, above and beyond the electric vehicle space, you could use, you literally use that blueprint for just about any business. So what you're saying, Holman, is that we played the right intro. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, ma- ma- <laughs> yeah. Mark may disagree though. <laughs> I don't know that we uh, we kind of jumped off the tracks for a minute and took a a, a spur out. Circling wait, back. He, wait, is he making trains now? <laughs> well, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just want to get back to the battery, but I want to talk about the technology and the fast charge that has been announced by mm-hmm. Atlas here in the last, what, three or four months. I know you guys had a big press release and had people down to the the, the, the plant before uh, the Rona got, you know, kept everybody away. You had some virtual stuff. So I just wanted to circle back and kind of really hit that topic before we move on. What does it mean and how, yeah. how does it work? What does it mean and how does it work? Uh, well, what it means is we give you time back. Time is the most valuable thing that any of us have in this world. It's the only thing you can never get back. So rather than give you a solution that takes that away from you, let's give you a solution that makes the world better, that gives you a better uh, day, you know, a, a better work day, right? A better experience, better driving experience. And let's, let's give you your time back when we talk about moving to electrification. That's super important. Me as a family man, that's, that's crazy important. Um, how does it work? I guess we, we did a nice hour and a half long video on it, but to summarize it, um, we are developing, basically we're developing battery cells and pack technology uh, with a focus on a selection of the right chemistry that allows us to, to pull energy in and out of that cell, pull and push energy in and out of that cell, right? At a very rapid pace, but the critical thing is actually thermal management. How do we, maintain the temperature of that cell, especially after we've already raised that temperature above a certain threshold. How do we do that when we're pushing one and a half megawatts of power into this massive pack and do that, uh, that sort of entire process from when you plug in to when you unplug, there's this prep process, this charging process, this post charging process that happens. How do we do all that in 15 minutes? And it really comes down to uh, thermal, like, the thermodynamic principles and the thermal management of the the pack and the cell technology and do that in a minimal part count and, you know, minimal pieces. We, we do a number of unique things, which we'll, we'll start releasing more details as we we go forward. But if you go back and watch the YouTube video, which it's really long, I go into a lot of detail of how we raise the temperature, what, you know, how the cells are submerged in fluid how we cool the cells afterwards, how much energy we pump in, what that charge curve looks like. Um, and there's a number of unique things that we're doing there that are very different to the rest of the industry. And it's really pulling on some very basic first principle approaches to solving this problem. So does moving that kind of energy in and out of the pack, is is there any you know negative in terms of battery life or is your pack specifically designed for that type of charge cycle? So it's specifically designed for that charge cycle. And the data that we have with all of the testing that we've done shows that we don't negatively impact the life of those cells. And that's important because we want to give you that experience the first time 
to the very last time you use that vehicle, right? At, when it's, it's like that last day you fill it up, right? And after that, it's reached end of life. Uh, and our goal is a million miles of operation for these vehicles. Wow. I mean, that, that's impressive because obviously we've talked about in the past where you want to go after the diesel truck customer and you want to break, give them a truck that works as hard as a diesel truck that is right. fully electric. What about the naysayers that are out there who, who might challenge the technology or say, uh, you know, do, have you had anybody come out and say, oh, no, you know, Atlas is just another startup that doesn't have tech? Or is it the other side of that coin where you've got companies realizing that you're doing something special in the battery space and they're going to want to license that technology from you? What does that mean for Atlas if a big guy came in and said, we just want to gobble you up and take your battery tech? Uh, you're welcome to invest in Atlas, but uh, we're not for sale. That would be the start of the, the latter conversation. My, my vision is much bigger than just sort of selling and, ex, you know, and exiting right and cashing out. I, I want to own the world. So uh, I'm not going to do that by cashing out. I'm going to do that by continuously growing the company and chasing after these different objectives and stuff that we have over the next, uh, say, 10 to 20 years. But um, to answer the first question, the naysayers, uh, that actually ties into a little bit of the second part of that, where anytime you're doing something that is new and innovative, people will find it hard to believe. And it's, it's literally pushing a rope up a hill. It's very hard to, for people to really grasp that something new and innovative does exist in the world. And you will always face that challenge anytime you're doing that. The only advice I can give is uh, don't stop. Don't let those naysayers tell you it's impossible. Don't quit. If what you're doing is sound, if, if you can prove that it's working, people will hate you for it forever until they find the next thing to hate you for. And that's just the reality of the world that you live in. And that, that's true for incumbents, because if we're doing something that they're not able to do today or they don't understand whether or not it can be done, they're also going to be negative of us. And let them be. I may have heard it somewhere. I don't know where it came from, but let those that will be negative shout as loud as they can for as long as they can until the day that you show it, in which case they'll go quiet. So people will be loud, they'll be obnoxious. When you show it, they're still not going to believe you. And then eventually when it comes around, when it clicks inside their head, they become quiet because they're like, hey. And then the next thing you hear is, this is amazing, but you're not doing this right. So there's that next thing that's in line, and you're just going to keep chasing that. Don't chase it. Chase what you're trying to do. Focus on the, the problem at hand. Fix that problem. Move to the next one and just keep moving. Ignore the hate. Do you think that the space has been tarnished at all by other players who may or may not have been able to back up their, their claims of their own technology? And do you think that in the electric vehicle space that there are really only a few key players? Or do you really think that the field is as wide open as you know they want you, they, I mean the industry, wanting us to believe because there are so many little companies out there vying for a piece of that big pie? I would say there's, uh, there's no clear winner yet until Atlas gets there because we're going to win. Um, I like that. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I would say that, um, you know, anytime there is excitement, anytime there's some new hot space, there are those that will take advantage of it and that will always exist. There are those that will, um, you know, they think they have a great idea and they push really hard and it's not – it's not for a lack of like, it's not like this, 
they're trying to be deceitful. They're trying to be, you know, they're trying to do the wrong thing intentionally. It's like they, in their, they have this belief that what they're doing is right, that they have the right direction to go. And sometimes it, it doesn't work out. It's like you, you've got 80% of the problem solved and that last 20% is like this little hurdle that they think, Hey, I'll get there. It'll be okay. We'll, we'll cross that. And you just, you can't, but the ones that succeed there are the ones that pivot and say, you know what? I was wrong, but I learned all of this stuff. Here's our pivot point. Here's how we're going to be successful. Here's how we're going to continue to drive value. Has it made it harder to raise funding? Yes, it definitely has. Is the market sometimes maybe tired of that? Sometimes, yeah, I think there is. But it's all about trust. How do you build trust out there? And you build trust by one, being transparent, by two, um, you know, continuously saying, here's what we're going to do. Here's proof that it's going to work. Here's proof that it did work, right? And just keep moving through that next step. I think that was a big issue with uh, the one of the competitors uh, that that they just, you know, they were uh, vaporware, you know, and it still seems to be that way where you are, like you said, you have a 90-minute video talking about the tech. And that's one thing that, um, you know, Holman and I are big fans of in the aftermarket, you know, for aftermarket truck parts. And when when the company comes out and says, this item does this and here's the data and here's here's the dyno run or here's the here's um, the heat dissipation, et cetera. They said, this is it. Like, this is the data. Look. And then all of a sudden for the for the guy who's sitting on the couch at night um, reading this data, he's like, wow, this is, is this is actually they've done some work or, or a way to interpret the data. Right. So it's not just spreadsheets right. that are put out there. But, for example, you may have a product in the internal combustion space that gives you, you know, a a higher horsepower number that you bolt on, right? But maybe it's only for 500 RPMs at the very top of the power band, whereas another product may give you less peak horsepower, but it's a lot fatter in torque in the middle of the power band, and it's much more enjoyable to drive. Right. And it's a better seat of the pants feel. But it takes education for people to understand what the data is telling them and for the companies to take that extra effort to try and explain it. This is why we think our product is going to win and is better and, and here's our um, philosophy behind how we got into the data, I think, is huge. One of the big wins for Atlas is, is you, is your ability to communicate how the batteries work, why they're different. How half, Yeah, half the battle is articulation in new technology, right, is being able to, to um, smartly and intelligently explain to the layperson a technology that requires engineering, R&D, super complex, scientists, all that kind of stuff. And to that extent, um, Mark, tell us about... The, the 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 argument about you can't ever electrify a big rig because it'll it, it, there's too much weight in batteries like you you can't haul enough because you're hauling batteries around so how, what does that look like you know in the class three four five truck let's start at the bottom like I'll, I'll start with like a class 2b right to a class four in that particular that's like kind of your I don't know, high-end F-150, low-end F-250 space right to, all the way up to like a F-350, 450 um, depending on what you're talking about in terms of towing and payload. In that particular space, the argument is always going to be, well, there's too much battery weight to be able to, um, to, to do an apples-to-apples comparison, right? So what I always say is, what is your target performance numbers? So if we're talking about, I got to tow this much, I got to go this far, I got to do it this way, whether it's empty or, or actually think about the actual use cases, then target that performance and figure out how to, if you're adding a thousand pounds in battery weight, how do you cut a thousand pounds somewhere else without compromising 
and performance, right, or safety or anything like that. Um, how do you make it so it's equivalent? So we look at class eight uh, tractor trailers because you talk about like kind of semi trucks and long haul. It's the same argument. It doesn't matter it, what class of vehicle you're talking about. It's the same argument all the way up. And then when you get to a class eight, you have to think about use cases. So a lot of people say, uh, especially the, the early adopters will say, listen, 400 miles, three, 400 miles, 500 miles. That's okay in a big rig because they got to stop, right? They have to take their lunches. They got to take breaks. And I know it's sort of, it's not always the use case, but I look at the use case of the guys who, you know, they, they don't take their break at a truck stop. They take their break at a rest stop um, where there is no charging infrastructure. They might take their, you know, their, they might stop driving for the night or day, depending on which shift they're doing. Um, and it might be at a rest stop or it might be at an off ramp or an on ramp. And in those particular scenarios, you have to figure out how you solve that problem. How do you give them enough range that they can facilitate the use case or the, the um, scenarios that they drive in today and still drive value for them? Now, we talk about weight and things like that. It's really, how do I give you the range with no compromise on payload that allows you to do more than what you do today? So always drive additional value. Never aim for equivalent. And what that means is you have to rethink how that truck is built. You have to rethink about the, the frame structures, the suspension, the different components of there, the cab, the interior stuff. How can I lightweight all that stuff to offset the battery weight? How do I get that thing to a point where it's an equivalent or better? How do I improve aerodynamics so therefore I get better efficiency out of it? Solve a bunch of those problems and then you regardless if the battery pack does weigh a few hundred thousand pounds, whatever, not a hundred thousand pounds, <laughs> a few thousand pounds, um, you know, that would be, that'd be a big pack. That'd be a but, hell uh, of a battery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's some long range right there. Is the winner at the end of the day going to be the guy that figures out how to lightweight a battery pack? Or is it more important to keep battery packs the same size and weight and to improve battery power density? Uh, power density for range, absolutely. Um, energy density technically for range, um, power density for, for like those uphill battles, right? Those are super important. It's more important to chase energy density. Uh, but no matter what you do, you should always be looking at how do I create lighter chassis, lighter cabs, greater aerodynamic efficiency, because all of those things are going to benefit you regardless if it's an internal combustion engine vehicle or an electric vehicle. So let's take that for a second. It's You're talking about the overall tow vehicle being about the same weight as it would be today. You're lightweighting the vehicle right. around because the overall mass will be the same because you're adding the batteries into it. Because obviously you don't want a tow vehicle that's too light because then the trailer acts on it, doesn't stick to the road. And a lot of these guys in their class eights are doing 80,000 pounds going 70 miles an hour through the Eisenhower Pass and give two you-know-whats. And... Uh, <laughs> And it's amazing. I've seen those guys in Colorado blow past me in a snowstorm, and I'm in a you know all-wheel right. drive vehicle, like 30 miles an hour, can't see, and I get a big rig blows by me at like 20 thousand know, or 20 miles an hour faster, and you're like, damn. <laughs> I mean, yeah. those guys need that weight to to stick to the road, and they need the robustness. I think the other thing too is when you're looking at any kind of work truck, I think people look into weight as being a, a measure of durability and strength. I, I think that applies to everything in life, right? Sometimes people look at something and say that's light as a feather, so it must be weak. 
look at the skinny guy who's weak, right? And then look at the bigger guy and you think, man, that, that guy, he's a beast, right? Um, it's not always the case. Oh, we but, know because uh, the two of us are very weak, bigger guys. <laughs> oh, wait, you combined oh, man. both. COVID, COVID has not been kind to me, so it's okay. Um, I, you're 100% correct where uh, what you want to do is it, it goes back to, I think, a point I made earlier of like chasing that, that sweet spot. And that sweet spot is cubic feet of cargo space uh, as well as overall weight of cargo that you can carry and not making a compromise in that. But obviously if you're towing, if it's an 80,000 pound gross vehicle weight, class eight tractor trailer, the cab and the, the, the truck body and you know, the truck itself has to be relatively heavy to be able to manage that. Cause you're absolutely right. Uh, that trailer is going to push you all over the road. It doesn't matter how good your brakes are. doesn't matter, you know, how good the batteries are, you know, tires, none of that stuff really matters. If the truck is too light to push, you know, to keep that grip on the road and it's it's so light that the trailer pushes it out of the way it, it's just going to happen so it's an interesting quandary you're in there you're trying to lighten it up to make room for the batteries but to you make can't it heavier get, you can't, but you can't make it heavier yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just chasing your tail i don't yeah. know what what's what's the win there i mean it seems to me that yeah it's, it's better well, i think density. there's a sweet spot right and, 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 and that's part that's got to be part of the proprietary part of the R&D process is figuring out what that sweet spot looks like and delivers to the customer. I, I mean, is, at some point, is that like graphene batteries or some kind of battery technology that we haven't heard of? Or, you know, it can't be just lithium ion, right? No, uh, I, I think it's going to be lithium ion for a few, five, probably five years, roughly. It'll be some kind of lithium-based chemistry solution for at least five to ten years. Uh, but it'll definitely be different variations of it. We're, we're going to see some new solid state tech coming out. We're going to see uh, maybe lithium air makes a, an appearance, right? In, in realistic scenarios, lithium sulfur. There's a lot of different things going on. I like to solve problems at the most basic levels though first, because regardless of, it, those are all great tech solutions and great visionary solutions, but solving problems at the most basic level typically yields the best, most immediate results. When we talk about lightweighting and things like that, if you're just bolting on batteries, you're never going to win. But if you're building that into the structure, if you're building it into the the way the vehicle is is architected, and you're you're doing that from the ground up, you're going to find wins almost immediately. What's the technology, or what do you have to do? Because I know some of the things we've talked about before is uh, versus like a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, right? BEV. You know, again, we talk about thermal management, really towing those loads where you need a lot of power being discharged from the battery into the drivetrain over an extended period of time. Maybe it's the, you know, Eisenhower Tunnel or the Davis Dam or any of those big grades here in the U.S. What is the technology Mm -hmm. to keep a BEV vehicle um, able to sustain those types of power draws um, from the battery into the powertrain while still having range on the other side of the mountain? Or... Is it a tapestry of technologies where once you get to the downhill side, you'll use regenerative braking to, to, to make some of that power back? How are you going to be able to incorporate that so these trucks can tow that 30,000-pound trailer? No, he does it with solar and wind. He's got a, a wind farm on the top of the big rig. Oh, and solar. <laughs> oh, so, my God. You yeah. know what? Uh, you just 
Mark figured out a perpetual motion machine. That's exactly right. We need to invest yeah, immediately. Yeah, I think I think someone I, I think someone on social media said it was unicorn farts, but um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. Uh, Mark has a generator uh, on each wheel, so as it expands energy, it makes it right back up. He's got a Honda, yeah, EU two thousand. I, I failed. Uh, I failed oh, in my man. science class. I don't think that works. Yeah, perpetual motion, right? Uh. Um, to answer it plainly is uh, when you think about going up a hill and down a hill, it's it's efficiency and recovery of that energy. Uh, how little energy can you lose going up, right? Because there's everything, like the, the most basic level, you lose heat. Uh, and that's where a lot of your efficiency losses. So um, how do we keep as much of that energy as possible as we're climbing the hill? So when we come back down, you know, we lose, we're able to gain as much as possible, uh, coming back down at the same time. So when you talk about going up the hill or coming down the hill, it's kind of the same problem where how do I put like the best way to think about it would be uh, it's like a garden hose versus a uh, like a, uh, a fire hose, right? It's like if I'm trying to push water through a garden hose, I can only push it so fast, right? You can only build the pressure up so much. The water moves so fast. At some point it won't push anymore. So the reality is how do I build a like basically a fire hose into a battery pack in terms of energy dissipation so or, or energy pull coming out of it. And then how do I push that fire hose back into the pack um, when you think about energy? So I, I, I hope that's like the best analogy. Well, yeah, it, it, it sounds like it, we're talking no, about the very basics of, you know, watts, amps, and volts well, and that, how yeah, those things exactly are. That's exactly what yeah. I wanted to ask. So is that, uh, is that current or voltage to do that? Well, um, well, so it's energy, right? So it's the uh, current and voltage are, are part of that. So it's, Current is, uh, think of current as pulling energy out of a cell. Think of voltage as like the pressure um, that's applied. So when we think about Where do unicorn energy, farts enter that? Is there, is it watts, amps, volts, and milliofarts no, or down, something like that? You get it when you go downhill. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah we go you downhill get it when time. you go downhill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess the best way to think about this is how do, we, how do we bring the heat down? And one way to do that while keeping the power up high uh, is to use a higher voltage. So the current goes down. Less current through a wire, right? Less heat generated, uh, but you still keep the power up. So rather than operate at 400 volts, like most of the competition, uh, we're operating at 1,600 volts uh, currently. That's our targeted <laughs> Holy voltage. Holy crap. Wow. Well, now, wait a minute. We had, just t- we had just heard on the news recently someone was at 800, and that was a big deal, right? This is like a yeah, that's, couple months ago, I want to say. That's not a big deal. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a big deal right now, but it's if you want to get up there, you really got to push that thing. So up you're there. essentially looking um, at it as if you're solving problems, maybe two or three generations ahead of where uh, electric vehicles are today. So you're going to skip that whole like 600, 800, and you're going straight to over a thousand. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What, what's on the, the start? What's on the telephone pole outside of our house? Like, what? What's the uh, the voltage on the line outside? Oh, it depends. Um, it could be, you could have uh, 120, 240. Uh, it's multi-phase, right? So you typically have a couple of phases out there. Um, 480 volts is typical for- Uh-oh, uh, we just lost lightning. Well, no, he completely just glazed over when you said multi-phase. No, 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 no. So so I'm wondering, you know, like you, 1,000 volts is deadly, you know? Well, 110 volts uh, isn't it, right. great for you either. <laughs> So I'm so, saying it's yeah. It's, so voltage voltage isn't the killer, right? It's the current that travels through your body. But sorry, a little 
science there. But um, you know, you think a guy named Lightning uh, would understand that? <laughs> no, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right, well, he's but he's gonna be. He's got to have a fair amount of current as well because he's trying to push a big rig up a hill. So or at least a class to, six, right? Yeah. So you're trying to get that torque, right? And torque is proportional to either the current that's applied to the motor, right, or the number of turns in the wire that's inside there. Um, so the number of sort of circles that are made. So you, you want to get torque in there, right, to go up that hill, but you want to do it in such a way that you're reducing the amount of heat that's generated to be able to accomplish that. Uh, so if I'm going to push the voltage up higher, I'm going to spin the motor faster and then do a gear reduction, right, to get that end torque where we need it to be. Oh, interesting, because so, a lot of electric motor or vehicles uh, don't necessarily have gear reduction or transmission. They're just one-to-one. So if you throw in a transmission of sorts, you can kind of uh, cheat that a little bit, sort of like internal combustion yeah. engine. Yeah, I, I mean, like a lot of them use a gear reduction today, but it's uh, it's direct. Um, we don't use a transmission. It's not multi-geared. So, um, But at a higher voltage rate, we can essentially spin things faster. Uh, therefore, we can... We can have a higher gear ratio, right? We can get greater torque output from that particular motor. Because we're ri- running it at higher voltage, we're running it at less current, we're generating less heat, we're generating less losses, we can be more efficient. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff in there like saturation and all these other things that happen too that you have to keep in mind. But that's the general gist of this is run it at a higher voltage, try to reduce some of those losses, get that gear reduction set right so we can push. Now, <laughs> I have to, uh, you've probably seen you know, some of the newer EV companies that come out and say, well, we got 11,000 foot-pounds of torque. Yes. Yes, um, we have. Yep. So it's kind of a, it's a marketing play, right? Because, okay, I got 12,000 foot-pounds of torque because my gear ratio is just a little bit lower. Uh, your your diesel pickup truck has 12,500 foot-pounds of torque in first gear with a low rear-end gear ratio at a certain RPM, right? And it goes back to your point earlier of, are, are you just throwing out the highest number? Like, what does that mean? How does that translate to the use case? Do you have that, that peak torque at 65 miles an hour going up the hill? Or do you have that peak torque at two miles an hour when you're trying to get started? And when does it mean the most? So it's really designing the system such that it gives you what you need in that particular scenario to give you the optimum performance. That might not be peak torque at 65 miles an hour going up a hill, but it might be peak or continuous power, I should say, while you're trying to climb that hill. Okay, so I'm listening to you, and I'm a podcast listener. I'm going, wow, Mark sounds like he has it all figured out. I want in. And uh, just so happens that you guys are launching a Regulation A crowdfunding campaign to get to your next round, I guess, of investment in the company. Do you want to talk about that? Your goal is to raise $25 million. And yeah, so and, we're- and why? And, and why? Um, so we're currently raising $25 million. That $25 million is uh, going to be put towards uh, pilot production lines for the battery cell and pack technology and the platform technology, getting that to market by Q3 of 2021. Uh, then we're focused on building that uh, production prototype of the XT pickup truck and launching that in December 2021. So those are the goals for that $25 million. Also included in that is, of course, tooling and everything else to get us there. And what this is, is this is a public offering of common stock of Atlas Motor Vehicles, allowing you to invest as an early investor in the company, right, uh, at this stage that, that we're at today. And that investment will, be, will go towards those three goals. 
uh, cell and pack technology commercialization along with the charging stations, platform commercialization. We have a number of customers looking for that. And then the first production prototype of the XT pickup truck, will, which will go into a customer's hands by the end of 2021. How much of the company are you selling in at the end of this $25 million investment? What's the valuation of the company? So the current valuation is a little bit above $160 million pre-money, uh, and we're raising $25 million as part of this offering. Why couldn't you go to Silicon Valley and just shake the money tree? Like, wh- why go or on, this Or route? on Shark Tank. No, no. You know, <laughs> or on Shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> or has the market, um, ha- has that been tainted because of the other guys? A little bit of it's been tainted because of the other guys, but um, it, it's really, you know, we started this whole sort of podcast today talking about the workers and the customers and, and what that's about. I, I also believe in building a company that as we succeed, the people that we're building this product for should also be a part of that success. If you're going to buy our product, if you believe in what we're doing, if you want to see us succeed, if you want to be a part of that, become an owner of Atlas Motor Vehicles. Share in that success. You should be able to grow with us as we go. You're not just an end customer. You're a partner with us from day one. Will you do more than $25 million or does it end there? And are you on pace to hit that or exceed it? Or are you are you happy with uh, the progress? Or do you just need everyone who listens to the Truck Show podcast to jump on uh, invest.atlasmotorvehicles.com? What well, says, I don't know if this is accurate, but it looks like you've raised $1.89 million so far. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. So we've raised 1.89 million of that 25 million today. We're very happy with the results that we have uh, currently. Uh, we've got a, a lot of sort of interest in there that's that's waiting. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, press events and things that are coming up for that. Um, and of course, yeah, we want all of your podcast listeners to jump on board, become an owner of Atlas Motor Vehicles. This is your opportunity to be an owner of an electric vehicle startup building products that you will use every day in whatever work environment that you're in, where you use a pickup truck for work, where you use, where electrification can really benefit you. So yeah, jump on, uh, invest at atlasmotorvehicles.com and become an owner of Atlas. So Mark, um, right out of the gate, you're talking about ecosystems and the Apple ecosystem and people know everything. They think they know everything about Apple. At least Apple fans know everything about Apple, right? And they're going to, they're going to buy Apple products, even if they suck, they just, they yeah. they need the Apple product because they feel like they're in that in that in that world. Part of the family, like what it, what's the, this family. So my question is, how does someone become uh, more familiar, other than the website, with Atlas? It, can they come to the facility? Do you have live? Ev- well, not now, but will you have live events? How can they meet you, the staff, and feel can like? Can they meet you for coffee? <laughs> and some bagels <laughs> at, in the morning. At Starbucks down yeah. the street, right? <laughs> in Scottsdale. So. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I've been known to do the latter. Yeah, I've been known to meet people for coffee and bagels. Uh, I, I'm willing to meet anybody. So you can come to the facility. You can always check us out. Uh, we typically ask for NDAs if you're going to come through the back, of course. Um, but, you know, if you're willing to sign an NDA, we're willing to talk to you. We're willing to, to show you around and, and show you what we're working on. If you want continuous updates, we're incredibly open. We're incredibly transparent. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we do weekly updates on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram that's posted. Um, we post those links on Twitter. We do uh, continuous broadcast updates of different technology pieces that we're building. Uh, we're really taking people along this sort of journey that we're on here. Um, and I, I, I don't necessarily like the word journey because it's a little too touchy-feely, but um, 
it, it's really like it, a lot of companies make a big splash and then they sort of go quiet. Uh, you get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of Atlas. Uh, and of course, all of the sort of success and everything else that we have along the way. So we're very transparent. We're out there. We're open. Uh, you can see everything that we're doing. And we, you know, we talk about even the things that didn't work. So, and that endears you to your to your potential your potential uh, customers, investors, etc. Your calendar at invest.atlasmotorvehicles.com, Q1 2020 through Q4 2021. Have you been able to hit all those dates in Q1 through through Q4 in 2020? Like, have you been spot on? Did you slop over? I'm just curious, like, because I know you're going to be honest about it. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things have negatively impacted us uh, in 2020. Um, COVID sort of set things back quite a bit in terms of getting the facility built, hiring enough people, which means, you know, we didn't make as much progress on some of the development efforts that we were looking to do in 2020, but we're, we're very quickly ramping that back up now that things have sort of leveled off and become more stable uh, in just the world in general. As things sort of stabled off and as things started to progress, we've picked our speed back up. We've been a little bit late on, on past promises and things like that, but the one thing to remember about Atlas is that we just don't quit. So there will be bumps. There will be hiccups along the way. We learn from those. We overcome those. And we just keep going forward. All right. If you want to check them out, atlasmotorvehicles.com or on uh, Facebook, Atlas Motor Vehicles, Instagram at Atlas Motor Vehicles, LinkedIn, Atlas Motor Vehicles, Twitter at Atlas MV. You guys also have the Atlas Motor Vehicles. By the way, that's uh, A-T-L-I-S on uh, YouTube. And, of course, uh, if you're interested in investing, invest.atlasmotorvehicles.com. And, Mark, it's always a pleasure. Uh, so happy to have you back on and really appreciate your time. And hopefully we can uh, do this a little sooner next time, maybe in person. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are always welcome to come by. Thank you for uh, having me. We would love to come out there. We'll even sign NDAs. Well, except for the podcast part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Thank you so much, and uh, the best of luck. And I have a feeling that uh, we're going to be writing some checks, Holman and I, here shortly for some maybe some stock. I would greatly appreciate that, guys. Become an owner. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. I appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. All right, take care, guys. Okay, All right. thanks Bye-bye. so much. Bye. Well, Holman, now that the election is over and all those uh, proposition flyers have stopped uh, clogging oh our uh, mailboxes. God, dude, I, I, my mailbox is overflowing daily with all that crap. I don't know what any of them mean, but what I do know is that mail started to flow <laughs> into my inbox. And here it is right here. All right. Well, you think they're buying it? We get all this via email. I mean, we don't actually get mail. What? <laughs> you email? Yeah. I email. Do it. You had good synchronization there. Thank you. All right. Who's going first? You can go. Oh, I'll go first, right? Save the manuals. Oh, I already like this one. Yep. Wow, did you hear that? I distorted. God, dang it. It's because I yelled into the microphone. I only have the compression set so high, so if I go way too loud. Wow, that was bad. Right? Stop being a dummy. Can you just read your email? (laughs) Never going to get out of here. Uh, This one's from Brandon. Okay. Hey, light pole and hole in the head. 
Well, I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> I've been a listener since episode number one. Wow, I can't believe that I've uh, I haven't ran for the hills yet. What? I mean, come on, come on now, with the, come on. Who's that, Brandon? Yeah, yeah. How yeah. dare you? So I got a question for you two gents. I'm going to be in the market here shortly for a new-ish daily truck. I am currently driving my 92 GMC C1500 extended cab truck during the warmer of the New England months while rebuilding my 89-90 single cab S10 as a winter beater. Both are a tad tight for a growing family, so my new rig needs to be a crew cab, so throwing a car seat in the back is a lot easier. So here's the question. What truck would you suggest that would meet my requirements of the following? One, 4x4. Two, four, full doors. Three, can tow at least 5,000 pounds, and four, and here comes the subject line, a manual transmission. As the subject line says, we have to save the manuals, and in the not-so-distant future, I plan on purchasing a side-by-side for the growing family, and thus I need a decent tow rating. I've been drooling over the Sport or Sport S Gladiator, but it's a little bit out of my reach price-wise. I love the looks of the Tacoma and Frontier, but interiors seem kind of dated. The Ram 25 and 3500 Cummins have caught my eye as my father has a mega cab Ram, and I love it, but I just wish it were a manual. Thanks for your help. Keep mounting those parameters. Mounter, monitor, key, engine, parameters. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Brandon from the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire. Oh, hmm. I mean, you don't really have a lot of choices. I will tell you that a uh, if you can find a used Nissan Frontier Pro 4X manual crew cab, the tow rating is 6,100 pounds. That might be one of the highest out of the midsize manual trucks. Uh, the Ranger manual hasn't been offered since the last generation, and if you think the uh, Tacoma looks dated on the inside, then you're really not going to like that Ranger manual. Right, right. Um, there hasn't really been anything from Chevy because the last manual Colorado was a uh, on the four-cylinder. I like the idea of the Ram Cummins. Uh, last year of the stick on that was like uh, 2016 or something. What about a stick swap? Uh, not in a modern <laughs> car. No, that's just there's just too many headaches involved. I mean, it just depends. If you want a midsize, I, I think Gladiator is a good one. I think the uh, Pro 4X Manual Frontier is a good one, especially because it's uh, got a tow rating above. Uh, what you're looking for in a you know smaller, more fuel efficient. You need my package. brother's truck, but in a manual. Yeah, basically. Yeah, there's not a lot of options for something that's maybe within the last five years. Of course, the other option is uh, the the Tacoma, which is around uh, 6,400 pounds or so on the uh, TRD Pro. But other than that, nothing really comes to mind that's a pickup truck with a manual outside the midsize market. Other than the Ram, the Ram had the last manual that's newish. And nothing really in the midsize market that can tow what you want other than the ones that uh, that I just mentioned. So, yeah, go get yourself a, a Nissan Frontier Pro 4X manual with a 4-liter V6 and enjoy it. All right, I got one here from uh, Mark Manti. Uh, this one's interesting. Uh, it says, Lightning and Holman. <laughs> yes, You're gonna well love done. This. Yep, yep. Greeting. Well, I, lo- I love it because it's Lightning and Holman? Nope. Oh, okay. Hold on. Greetings from Uganda. Uganda? Yeah. What? So our podcast has been downloaded in like 150 countries or something Uh like that, which is pretty amazing. Um, I'm not sure how many in Uganda, but I'm sure we could find out. Uh, He says, I hope that both of you are keeping well. I listen to the show every week and really look forward to new episodes. We do keep well. 
And uh, we appreciate you listening from Uganda. Mm-hmm. Is it Uganda? Uganda? It's Uganda. All right. So no, I, I don't there. know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. You're not the uh, the geography uh, pronunciation expert? No, I am. All right, either am I, clearly. Uh, I'm not sure why there's so much GM hate, but you'll get sorted out someday. There's no GM hate. What? We're, we're huge GM no, fans. No, we hate Tacomas. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, in high school, I drove a Cyclone. Badass, by the way, uh, even though it only had 500 pounds of payload. Um we need to get somebody who's a cyclone expert on here. A cyclone typhoon. We had uh, Herb Helbig, who's the chief engineer of the Ram SRT-10. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have a segment like that with whoever the guy from GM was with the cyclone. You should look into that. I'm going to talk to Gail. Yeah, I and, mean, I think and, in one of the Gail episodes he talks about it a little bit, but I want to talk more about specifically the cyclone. He knows who we should reach out to. Okay. All right, yeah. that's your homework. Okay. Right. He says, uh, and my dad had a 454SS, so I appreciate hearing from Mr. Banks. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You have two. Should have just kept reading. Yeah, he right, gave right, us the right, answer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you actually have two of those at work, right? What's that? 454SSs. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen them. I, yeah, there yeah is, you've seen the black one that well, sells plastic I mean, on the seats. Yeah, I mean, that With one's over- the red velour uh, interior? Yeah, that's in our warehouse at Aeon. I haven't seen the other one. I was told it was in his garage at, uh, at the ranch, but I haven't hmm. seen it. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, in the history behind his work with GM on these trucks, the L5P is an absolute beast. I'm willing to bet Banks had something to do with it. That's an interesting one. As much as we would like to take credit, uh, no, not much. I mean, that's a GM ground-up engine. Yep. That uh, It's like, ground up? Uh, they ground <laughs> up in little pieces? No, and... no I mean, every, so the, the common uh, misconception or the uh, is that Azuzu had their hands in it. No, right. this is the first GM. Only, basically. Uh, only, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, GM. Duramax is a Azuzu-GM joint venture. but Except for this engine, right. Azuzu had nothing to do with it. It's 100%. GM. Well, except for some of the architecture of the block that is carryover from previous Duramax, right? Okay. Cylinder good, bore spacing, things yes. like that. Like some of those basic foundational design things. Uh, he says, in the U.S., I drive a GMT 800 Sierra Denali, but in Uganda, I drive a 2003 JDM. No, wait a minute. Is it Uganda or Uganda? I don't know. But in Uganda, I drive a 2003 <laughs> JDM Land Cruiser 100 V8, needing wow. an opinion on replacement rear shocks. For the record, I want to inform you and Lieberman, these SUVs do rattle and break. Not everything in Africa can be repaired with local ingenuity, like the fellow with the Wrangler that turned over here said. Oh, that would be our friend Dan, mm-hmm. who, by the way, his book is uh, being released, uh, I think, this week. Hmm. Might the, want to the, check in with him again. The Road Chose Me, Volume 2. It says, uh, on my rig, I removed the auto height control and replaced the springs with TJM units and the TJM struts up front. In the rear, I was using Rob's Magic monotube shocks that have started to leak after just a year. The LC is plenty heavy. I have steel front and rear bumpers, a steel roof rack, a worn winch, TJM snorkel, and steel skid plate that covers from the bumper to the T-case. I used aftermarket torsion bar keys to level the front with the rear. The roads here go from some tarmac to not maintained and worse. Typically, there's no drainage, and the large trucks abuse the roads when basically they're underwater to the point that huge potholes are created. Usually, I'm off the pavement. I have to move pretty slow to the weight of the vehicle. Available wheel travel in the conditions of the terrain. I would like to be able to go faster on these xylophone roads, but... If I buy Bilstein B8 5100 shocks and replace the leaking ones in the rear for around $500 for the pair, will I notice a control difference or would I have to step up to King at double the cost to be able to have smoother ride and or be able to go faster without so much banging that makes me think the dashboard is going to fall out? I have also considered hydraulic bump stops. If you know of a source, I appreciate the referral. Your show deserves five stars. Five star review! Five stars! And a yeah buddy from Finnegan. Yeah buddy. The only downside is that there's only one episode per week. Thanks in advance for your time and consideration. So he asked you like 55 questions here. Yeah, well, he has a pretty unique setup. Um, he's asking about the Bilstein 5160s, which are a great shock. 
I don't know if those are direct replacement for the Land Cruiser, so I don't know if the valving's right, but assuming they are, they do have the rear valving, I would fully step up to those instead of the Kings. Nothing wrong with the Kings, but the Bilsteins, I think, are made more for, how do I put it, reliability of an everyday driver, where you might not be able to get the parts in Africa for the Kings that are more of a racing-oriented shop. <laughs> Is that a thing? Well, yeah, I think so. I, though I've, I've been get to Africa. Get in Africa! <laughs> no. no. I've been to lots of uh, places in Africa. I've never been to Uganda, so I have no idea what the, you know... Um, uh, what the uh, infrastructure is for right what the uh, pet boys looks like down there yeah and also kings are more of a boutique shock while bill steins are available around the world although i'd say the b850 160s are probably built here in socal and poway um i would do the the bill steins if they're valved right and they're the right extended and collapse length i think you'll see a pretty big uh, difference with those shocks um and they also have the ability for you to add additional nitrogen charging to them if you want to they're rebuildable but you shouldn't have to so that's what i would go with the subject line is, I missed your call from Brad. Oh, that's our truck driver that <laughs> yes, left is. a message. And uh, we tried to uh, call him back, and he didn't answer. His message is, I'm not an OTR driver. On okay. the road driver? Right. Over, over, the, over road. the road. Right, okay. This is what my Peterbilt is used for. Oh, and here's my new Power Stroke. And then he shares a photo. Let me uh, flip this page here. Well, that is a tanker truck. Uh, be, is it a long nose Pete? It is a long nose Pete. Check oh, that out. That's a long nose. That is a long nose Pete. And there is, oh wow, an OBS Ford. Ooh, Power Strokes is a 7.3. It is. Yeah. Look at that guy right there. That's beautiful. White. I love those trucks. Uh, yeah, some two tone action right there. Mm-hmm. Look at that. That's good looking. Uh, what did we call him about? We just called him back because he left us a message on the five star hotline and we wanted to know more. We still don't know more though. That's the problem. Uh, we didn't get through. We got his voicemail. Maybe he'll leave us a message. <laughs> Uh, another it's one. It's going to go round and round forever. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got one here from Ben Porter who says, I'm listening backwards. Just heard the Paco Motorsports thing with Emmy. R2.8 Cummins, rally Miata. <laughs> it's from Ben. By the way, our show would be awful backwards. That's April Fool's. Backwards and at like 4X. Let's <laughs> not. You and I are, we're already 4X. Oh, you're not That's talking size? size? Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah. Check out. This YouTube channel, subject line from Colby White. You guys need to go watch Matt's Off-Road Recovery on YouTube. Oh, my gosh. Then get this dude on the show. He is awesome. That is all. Oh, and keep up the good work from Colby. I don't know that YouTube Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Matt's Off-Road Recovery. Yeah. What's it about? Uh, it's about off-road recovery. No, but I mean, is it about like those giant winch trucks that pull other vehicles, you know, I out of snow embankments? No, he's, he's got a yellow uh, XJ that goes out and rescues people. Oh. I've seen some of this stuff. It's super entertaining. Uh, okay, you have another homework assignment. Okay. Watch, I don't have enough time. Well, yes, you do. Wa- you watch so much stupid YouTube oh, it's, and if videos. It's, if it's watching YouTube, yeah. yeah, I got plenty. You need to watch Matt's Off-Road Recovery, 457,000 subscribers. Oh, That's wow. solid. Yeah, it is. Watch that, and then let me know if you think we should get him uh, on the show. Okay. You down? Yeah, of course. We've got one from here from our buddy Ray with the subject line. This is 3D Printing Metal. Uh, must have been about the episode where you visited uh, the 3D metal printer and blew my mind. Yes. Ray says, good heavens, guys, they've been 3D printing metals for well over a decade on machines made in America. The former DTM Corp of Austin, Texas, since purchased and absorbed by 3D Systems, as well as machines from Germany, EOS, or EOS. I can't believe that people at Banks didn't know about this. You're gobsmacked that metal 3D printing exists. I'm gobsmacked that Banks people didn't know. 
So that's not at all the case. So we did know that 3D metal printing, and by don't act all pompous with your this last different. No, it's been weak sauce. I mean, look, the technology has been around for a while, but it hasn't been perfect. You haven't you been gonna, able to make really good prototype parts. His email. Okay, he's already ripping on us. Well, hold on. He says tolerances are another story, which I think is the point okay, that you're there, getting. Thank at. you. Nothing at all like machine tolerances on hole locations, hole diameter, surface flatness on flanges, etc. So don't get too excited. No, that but that's therein lies the issue. Lots this, of times, post printing machining touch up is necessary. But I think your point was this guy's technology is to the point where it is precise enough. That's exactly right. He says uh, perfect for convoluted services like turbo housings, hydraulic control valve bodies, etc. You could also get the equivalent of "quote unquote" lost wax t- uh, casting using stereolithography-based 3D printing for the lost wax molds. Generally, with greater accuracy and slightly better material properties, it's not simply mass volume of the part that affects cost. As your interviewee stated, the volume of sintered material is absolutely a factor, but so is Z height, where Z is the vertical vector, just as in a milling machine. You would never build a long tube oriented vertically. You'd build it horizontally to save Z time because these machines are fantastically fast in drawing the laser in the XY plane. But each layer, again, Z direction to recoat the next layer of powder is horribly slow. So, yes, total mass volume of sintered metal is one factor, but Z time is at least as important in determining total cost. There are certain geometries where greater accuracy is required where you'll need to build oriented with the longer dimensions in Z, e.g. roundness of a circular passage. They are getting better, but the materials are not as good as a billet machine, 6061, T6 aluminum, or 300 series stainless. The current crop of laser-centered aluminums and stainless are far softer and gummier than their equivalent machine billet counterparts. Thermal distortion is a constant issue. Effectively, you're laying down the equivalent of a bimetallic spring with each layer, so the parts always want to bow or warp upward in Z. You don't want to build flat, thin parts on a laser-centering machine. The parts are always fuzzy with a rough surface. We frequently plate our 3D-printed metal... We frequently plate our 3D printed metal using polyon to seal the pores and contain the fine metal particles. 3D printing is an absolutely amazing tool to have in the toolbox, but it's expensive and comes with some significant compromises. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's gee whiz, but there's a lot to it, and it ain't really magic. It needs to be applied appropriately, Ray. Do you feel like Ray just schooled us? Buzzkill. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many of our audience found what Ray said. Like, I found it interesting. Mm-hmm. No idea what he was talking about. And that's not true. You, I just you about under, 50%. You, we understand the Z is, is vertical. vertical. Yeah, vertical. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying just lay, if you're doing yeah, yeah. long tube no, no, headers I, I or something. I got all that. Lay, okay. I just, it's just a very technical email, which we love that about Ray. Ray's always been super technical and responding to us about various things. So You know what I'm saying to Ray? What? Bring it. And then when Ray brings it, you're going to go... No, then, then we back down. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from Lars. You guys at Emmy are proving that EVs do not make sense. Towing the vehicle to charge it? Seriously? Duh. Having a big rig to charge the vehicle during the day? Seriously? What the... <laughs> Obviously, nearly all electricity comes from fuel. Internal combustion for life, Lars. I don't disagree. We're just exploring. I may have added some uh, F-bombs in there for for Lars. (laughs) We've got our big toe, and we're just sort of like dipping it in the water. That's all. We're just seeing what's out there. We're being open-minded to some new tech, but, you know, we're listen, I literally just wrote a story about the Ram TRX being a love letter to internal combustion fans. So, like, I get it. I don't think he's mad at us, really. Well, no, he kind of is. No, he probably is. Speaking of the TRX, we need to call Mr. Mike Koval because he's head of Ram Trucks. Oh, 
must be coming back on since we've uh, since well I have driven the TRX. Yeah, I'm still a little jealous. I got to be honest. Go ahead and dial. Hello, Mike Koval. It is Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Hey guys, good to be back with you. Absolutely, we have so much to talk about. But first. We have to play an intro that will say we're a little embarrassed of it in advance, but here no, we no, go. No, no, you're anyway. going to love it. You're going to oh, love no. it. Oh, no. This, actually, he will like this one, yes. Yo, the truck show. <laughs> who dis? Who dis? Who the hell is this? A truck show interview you don't want to miss. We talk to top dogs <laughs> in the industry. How'd you blow up? How'd you come to be? Who dis? Who dis? Truck show represent. Represent Mike. I think that was uh, commensurate <laughs> with the title of head of Ram Trucks. I think that's. I think that fits him. I think so too. Not everyone is the head of Ram Trucks. There's only, only one. one. Exactly. All right, Mike. Is that better than your first intro that we played last time? I think it was the inside job, or do you like this one better? I am. I am so fired up. That was the perfect tempo, guys. <laughs> well, well, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, uh, you were on the show. Uh, a little while ago, when the TRX info came out, and uh, you said you'd come back on, and we appreciate you keeping your word after uh, we had driven it, and you know word got out. So we kind of want to talk about a little bit about TRX, uh, how fast launch edition sold out, and then how pumped are you at the reviews coming in from the industry and potential customers? That's the so longest guys, question ever, by the way. No, it's Holman. not. That's it's, that's number fifty-four. He's on the got. List. A, he had a. He's got a checklist now. Of just to dissect your one, but that'll take one... us through the next ten minutes, so we're good for a while. Okay, so you and I'll just shut up and let him. Answer. We should let Mike talk. Okay. No, perfect. This is just like the uh, seven hundred and two horsepower that this truck delivers. I'm going to answer your question very quickly. Uh, <laughs> we were overwhelmed by the demand for the launch edition. As you know, to commemorate the seven hundred two horsepower, we offered seven hundred and two, of which we actually only sold seven hundred one, and I'll get to that in a second because I got a special announcement to make. But we, of the 702, 701 sold out three hours. It was more like 20 minutes. If you want to know the truth, we had to validate some of the actual orders that came in to make sure they were legit. Uh, but under three hours, all gone. And uh, I think that that overwhelming support validates uh, bringing this truck to market right now. And as you know, we teased it, what, four years ago, guys, at the State Fair of Texas, I think is when we first yeah, right. uh, teased it to the Rebel concept. And I, I got to tell you, our fans and customers alike have been waiting for this truck. And we, we had it on our website buried on about page four. <laughs> and they still managed to find it. They kept looking through no it. No one so- forgot about that truck, Mike, because even being on the uh, you know the journalist side of it, I, I've had people for years, especially when the DT, the current Ram, came out in 2019 – one of the things people were asking, about, when does the Raptor Killer come out? When does the Raptor Fighter uh, dude, come out? Holman, we've been talking about it for 140 plus episodes. Yeah, no, you know that's I mean? true. Yeah, so seeing what the truck actually was when it came out, and and you know, I was really impressed with the vehicle. It's one of the, I'm just gonna say, it, one of the best trucks I've ever driven. But I like that it was toned down a little bit. Uh, some of the boy racer elements of the concept didn't make it to production. The production truck is gorgeous. It's really well balanced in more ways than just the design element of it. But people haven't forgotten, and I think they were blown away with what you actually delivered versus the concept. I think it was probably better than what they were expecting after seeing the concept. And, and if I'm in the accounting department at Ram, I'm, I'm really upset with Mike for only launching 702 pieces. Well, I'm like, you can get you other ones. 
Oh, well, I guess so. But I'm like, you should have done 14,000 launch editions, right? <laughs> well, that, that's that's true. And, and the 702 is just a little uh, icing on the cake. But yes, absolutely. We have the non-launch editions, which, uh, again, uh, overwhelming support and demand from, from our dealers. Uh, we actually have enough orders to cover us well into next year, believe it or not, on the oh, wow. truck already. And, and I agree. We just got back from the media drive in Tahoe, and as you know, I think a lot of folks, maybe not all, but they had this maybe preconceived notion that this was all all muscle and, and, and nothing else. And I think what you walked away with was which was a much more sophisticated uh, a view and appreciation of this truck because it's everything we know and love uh, in the all new Ram 1500 with this incredible legendary propulsion system underneath it. So it's got all that power and performance to back it up, but also with that level of luxury and refinement that we've come to know and love in the new Ram 1500. So you uh, you probably read my story where I called it a, a love note to the automotive enthusiast. And I really meant that in the sense that, you know, we're on the, you know, where electrification is on the horizon. That's going to be the next round of, of propulsion going forward. And for anybody that grew up with gasoline in their veins and, and you know, big horsepower engines and, and American V8s, you basically cover all of it in, in one vehicle. And it's like the quintessential enthusiast vehicle. I think having the V8, which, by the way, the the tuning on that exhaust is is absolutely sublime. And the thing that impressed me the most is I've driven that engine in, in other FCA vehicles. And in some of them, I felt, you know, it's a little bit high strung. It feels like, you know, do I really want to go to the grocery store or take a five-minute drive? In the TRX, it feels like a truck engine. Yes, it's fast. Yes, it's powerful. Tons of torque everywhere. But what I was blown away with was the refinement on the inside. It was a regular Ram 1500 Laramie all day long, or limited, until you got on it. And it was a complete Jekyll and Hyde in the way that the, the truck felt, how stiff it was, how luxuriously it was appointed. It was almost too quiet on the inside. And then you hit that, that throttle, and my God, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the tingles that but go what, through you. Homer, what I got out of your review was it wasn't just a... A muscle car that was designed to go quarter mile in a straight line. Right. It wasn't gratuitous. Just shove a 700 horsepower V8, 702 horsepower V8 in a truck. It was the full approach. I mean, the amount we had Bill Stein on, Jason Engelman from Bill Stein, who his team developed the suspension or the, the shocks that are on the TRX. You know, we heard from uh, Jeff Roselli from the engineering side talking about the chassis and all the work that went into it. But I was just blown away. Mike, you guys pulled off a truck that is better in almost every single way. You didn't just shoehorn an engine in there. And, and those and those, uh, and those shocks, I mean, how plush are those? And they are so responsive and adaptive to every conceivable condition out there, aren't they? But, but we're reminded when we step into that cabin, the first thing you notice is how spacious and how quiet it is. The, the attention to detail. Uh, we have back seats that do front seat things. They're heated. They're cooled. They recline. And don't forget, every TRX comes equipped with that 12-inch touchscreen, which just adorns the, the interior. And, and it really is just eye-popping all the way around. And uh, and it's a no-compromise solution along with the propulsion and that drive, that on-road manners. I can't uh, underscore that enough because it's it's not what you would expect from a truck like this. Totally it just agree. blows you away. So on the drive route, there was a section that was about a five-mile offshoot, and everybody stopped to do their normal like mid-drive, driver's you know, coffee and break and all that. And I looked at the map and I went, hmm. And there was this twisty road that went down about five miles, down five miles up. And it was the uh, the quintessential like uh, weekend motorcycle road. And I went, let's go down here. And the speed limit was 55 miles an hour. And on the road, on the way down and up were motorcyclists. And there was a dude on a Harley Bagger 
who clearly knew how to ride. And I was hanging with him in this big old, you know, TRX on 35-inch tires, no tire squeals, no body lean, amazing brakes. And I'm coming into corners, and I'm able to use those giant brakes to slow down, hit the apex, and then just stomp out of it. And with all-wheel drive, the truck just lurches forward. And what was amazing was I looked down, I'm doing 65 miles an hour. I'm doing 70 miles an hour on this road where, you know, even where the corners were, were posted as 35, I was probably taking the corners at 48, 49. And I'm going, how am I doing this in a quote-unquote off-road Baja truck? Now, were you looking ahead and seeing the uh, the biker in his rear view, like staring at you with squinty eyes going, oh. why is this guy still behind me? How is this possible? He kept looking in the mirror and he was <laughs> right. watching to see this big, I mean, you know, the, the TRX in person is, is menacing, right? Sure. So he's looking at it in the mirror, and then when we got to the end, he, he wanted to come and talk about it. So uh, we talked for a few, and, and it wasn't just some guy who doesn't know how to ride. Like, he, he had it set up where he was sparking, you know, you know pegs on it and stuff, and, and I, was ke- I was keeping up with him in the TRX, and it's that, that adaptive suspension. It's just unbelievable to drive. And, and you know, the, the great thing about this, this wasn't necessarily a Skunk Works project. We, we talked to a lot of different people in the desert racing world and, and slowly and, and, and kind of quietly, Ram has steadily built its off-road truck portfolio, guys, to become America's off-road truck leader. First with the Rebel. Of course, we have the granddaddy of all 4x4s in the Power Wagon. And now we bring the TRX to market the marketplace, which was engineered bolt by bolt, as you know, to handle the harshest of off-road terrains, and and I think that's exactly what our, our customers will see and feel when they're able to drive their TRX. Okay, I want to talk about Rebel. I want to talk about Power Wagon because there's some 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 things there. <laughs> but-, but first, I want to find out where that 700 and second uh, TRX went. Oh, I thought. Oh, yeah, we need to. And we we also have to talk about it, that Italian. Well, crazy. we'll save that okay, for later. Right, we'll save that okay. for later. So you said that uh, you sold 701. Where'd that extra one go, Mike? Is it in your garage? We are. We, it, I, I wish it were in my garage, uh, and it might be if I win the lottery between now and then. Guys, we're, we're going to auction VIN 001 at uh, Barrett-Jackson in Scottsdale in January with 100% of the hammer price going to the United Way. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's good. And I, uh, I just I can't think of a more uh, appropriate way to – and I think, as you know, our brand, I mean, this is – Hold this, on. This they're, 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 wait, they're clapping wait, for you, Mike. They're applauding. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, the crowd's going wild. I just heard them. Clearly, so they're, they're fans. There's a guy in the back. He loves the United Way. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down and back. That's enough. <laughs> Do you guys have any target price or idea of what you think it might go for? I've got some ideas in my mind, and um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to keep the suspense. Okay. I'm not going to share with you what I think it's going to be. because here, And here, let me just give you a little – this is a little fun stat. So following the reveal back in August, I literally received emails and phone calls from all four corners of the globe, China, the Middle East, South America. There is so much natural interest in this truck. It blew me away. And I don't say that, it's not a brag type thing. I was, I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. And what I think is gonna happen, uh, much like we when we expanded the light duty lineup by bringing TRX in the market, because I think we're gonna bring new buyers into our brand and it's gonna have this halo effect. But I think about Ram brand growth, even internationally, and and all of a sudden the profile of our brand is going to be lifted, uh, you know, to to a degree uh, as we bring this to market. So I back to the question, I have an idea in my mind, and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I'll keep you guys posted as we get closer with more details. But uh, that's that's the plan for VIN zero zero one with all proceeds going to uh, to the United Way, which I can't think of a better way to uh, to bring the vehicle to market and and to um, certainly help the people who uh, who serve our communities. 
So I'm I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Corvette Stingray Vin 001, similar deal at Barrett Jackson went for three million dollars. So I'm thinking, and the TRX makes more power. It's all-wheel drive, has way more capability. It's probably as fast. I'm going to do here, Lightning. Why don't you guess, and I'll mm-hmm. guess, and then we'll see. Who, we'll do prices, rights, rules, and right. we'll go back to the future. <clears throat> I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say 3.5 million. Okay. I'm going to say, it, nothing against TRX, but it's a truck, and it's not. It's not a Corvette. It's it's a different animal, right? I, I guess. So it. I'm going to say it's. Uh, I'll say 1.5. All right, we're doing prices right rules when uh, when it sells. <laughs> you, I mean, yeah, Mike, you got to guess. What do you think it's going to no, go for? He's, he, we'll no, we'll give him a pass. Okay, we'll all right. Him, he's going to keep it close. Awkward, pass. right? Okay. Hey, uh, Mike, where is the plaque, the 001 plaque on the TRX? Where's it located physically? Under lock and key in a secret uh, secret hiding place in Auburn Hills, Michigan. No, no, no. Where are you going to affix it? Is on? Is <laughs> no, it on wait. the center console? No, it's on the center console. But who cares? That answer's way better than <laughs> it's on the center console. So, is there? How many keys are there? Is it like the launch uh, codes uh, where like two people have to turn two cylinders at the same time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's somebody with the truck at all times. So what was your response to the media reception and all the first drives coming out of the TRX program? Honestly, I was um, humbled. Honestly, I was humbled and and, uh, and pleasantly surprised because, again, I think there was – as everybody kind of uh, uh, ascended into, into the Lake Tahoe area, I really think they came in there with – uh, a different view of what this truck was going to be or, or thought it was just going to, again, it was just going to be fast, but not offer really any other sophistication. And I think you quickly discover that it had the on-road manners are as refined as its off-road capability. And, um, and that the engineering, as far as I'm concerned, and I, and I think most would agree it's this, this truck is an engineering marvel. It's unbelievable. You got to remember this thing's almost 7,000 pounds and it, and it leaps zero to 60. We say 4.5. Many of the drivers got right around four, even some below. Yeah, some four. got sub four. Yeah, some got. I one I heard was three five, and I no, think I, it's sixty eight hundred pounds. I mean, that's yeah. I was able on the gravel eighth mile with launch control, was able to hit like eighty or something miles an hour at the end of the the gravel uh, eighth mile that you had. Guys I had heard that out. you were able to turn the earth in the opposite direction just with the torque. Oh, but only briefly. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Mike, you're heavy in the automotive community. What do you think the competitors are thinking of you about now? Yeah, that, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the funny thing is we, we've continuously changed the game. And uh, I think back, and, and you, you have to remember, 2019 was a bit of a milestone year for, for our brand. And not to get into story time, but we're a young brand uh, and we're only 10 years old. And, I, you know, I, I think about all of the innovation, whether we were the first uh, uh, OEM to introduce a modern diesel hey, and a light-duty pickup truck. Hey, Mike, can I qualify that real quick? Can sure. I, because yeah. I don't know if a lot of listeners understand, in 2009, Ram and Dodge separated. And so a lot of people still go, oh, yeah. Dodge, Ram. But but It drives got, me bonkers, by the way, when they say that. But gotta, gotta, I'm going to go down to the Dodge dealer and get myself a Ram. I'm like, yeah, no, no, you're no, not. No. So the re, the you know what people need to understand about that, and, and I don't want to cut you off, but I want to have context for the point that you're making, is that sure. when Ram separated from Dodge, it allowed Ram to have its own R&D, its own employees, its own engineering, all that kind of stuff, and take those marketing dollars and use them toward Ram only. And what you're seeing now, and even probably in the last five to seven years, are the fruits of that change. And Rams have steadily become better and better and have you know, a ton of innovation has come into the space from the Ram team. But now you guys, 10 years out, 
are just now hitting your, you know, maybe the the stride of what that provided in the ability to do these special kinds of vehicles or the uh, even the Ram 1500 Limited, for example. We were allowed to develop our own DNA as a standalone truck brand. And for us, we believe that's a competitive advantage because it gives us the focus and clarity, frankly, in my view, in our mission. And what I mean by that is as the only dedicated truck and commercial brand, that allows us to fully and entirely be committed to understanding and delivering on our customers' very, very unique needs. And that's what I think sets us apart in the marketplace. We're, we're, a, we're a scrappy truck brand, we're, but that allows us to be agile, allows us to try different things, allows us to push the boundaries, and, and allows us to have fun. And, and you can see whether it was the introduction of the, the all-new Ram 1500 DT back in 2018, the new heavy duty that we brought to market last year that brings in all of that luxury and refinement that we love in the DT. Now we have TRX. Uh, you know, you can see this continuous innovation and we're just pushing the boundaries. We are changing the way people think about what a pickup truck can be. When the reviews came out on the TRX, did you have any uh, told you so moments in the halls of FCA? Maybe. <laughs> I thought he was getting straight. The silence yeah, was deafening. Came, at least he gave us a maybe. Once again, uh, Mike Oval has had his media training. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Very the, uh, the, the, the fun thing about it is you, we have some talented, talented engineers. The, the men and women who have been working on this project literally for years. And I'll tell you, not once, not once did we ever say no to anything. When they came to us for an investment request, approved. Because we knew, we knew that we had to deliver if we were going to create the apex predator of the truck world and we were going to come to market with the claims and assertions we have that this is the quickest fastest and most powerful truck in the world we had to back it up we had to back it up and we did i know some people on the supplier side who have confirmed that that was the case where ideas were thrown back to the company and said we think you should go this way here's an a or b scenario and you said yeah let's do it and and the TRX shows because there are no uh, there's no shortcuts in that truck. It's uh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, even every vehicle on the road, including supercars, they they do get watered down. I mean, there's sure. bureaucracy inside of these brands, but being Ram being its own thing and being scrappy, as he said, allows them uh, uh, some autonomy, which is great. All right. Well, I'm I'm done with the TRX. Who cares about that thing? No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the uh, the Power Wagon 75th anniversary. You guys uh, just dropped a press release and photos of that big guy, and uh, thought this would be a perfect opportunity to talk about that as well. Yeah. What what a what a uh, what an honor and a privilege. And, and you know we forget that um, uh, that I mean really this is the granddaddy of them all, right? This is the granddaddy of all American four x four pickups. Uh, it was first truck. Uh, you may remember, to take the off-road capability really to the masses uh, coming off its tour of, of duty during World War II. And, uh, and so we couldn't think of a more fitting way to pay tribute uh, than to, uh, to introduce the 75th anniversary edition. And, and, the, and it is an absolutely breathtaking truck. I mean, it has striking presence to it. And, um, and we can get more into the details here in a minute. But uh, yeah, thrilled to announce that today. And uh, that'll, those will begin uh, hitting, the, uh, hitting dealerships uh, later in the fourth quarter of this year. Are there any uh, limited numbers on that thing, or is it uh, you'll make as many as we want? No, no. And, and Power Wagon, as you know, it's not. It's not. Um, you know, I, I won't get into the, the the very precise mix, but it's it's not a huge. It's not a volume play for us. It never has been. It was never intended to be. Okay. Uh, I will build a Power Wagon or a Power Wagon seventy fifth for every customer who wants one. 
but uh, but it was never meant to be a, a giant uh, volume play for us. I mean, this is again the authentic off-road truck, first one of its kind, and um, you know this is our our level best to continue to uh, build upon. Uh, frankly, uh, the legend that is Power Wagon. And let's talk about Power Wagon. I mean, if you look, think of it, it's a giant Jeep Wrangler in a sense because it's all axle coil sprung suspension, although it is on a heavy-duty chassis. You've got the uh, the cool front and rear lockers. The rear locker, when unlocked, is a helical lim- limited slip. It's got the uh, built-in winch from the factory, the, the worn 12,000-pound big boy on there, uh, yep. disconnecting sway bar. And now with the 75th anniversary edition, you guys are adding a little bit um, – a little bit of the vibe from from TRX, and you you'll be able to get the 33 inch tires on beadlock capable wheels, and you're now adding the off road pages to the big old 12 inch screen in there. And I, I, if anybody hasn't looked at a power wagon in a, in a while, 1,466 pound payload capacity, tows up to 9,910 pounds with the uh, 410 horsepower, 6.4 liter Hemi. Um, it's it's a beast of a truck. I love the Power Wagon. I go all the way back to the Power Wagon when it was uh, first released in 04, as a, I believe an 05 model, going up Hell's Gate in uh, Moab. I remember taking the original uh, modern Power Wagon up that, and we went up Hell's Gate, which is that you know crazy crack that you see everybody doing in all these commercials and stuff, and I'm in this bone stock Power Wagon. I re- will always remember this dude who was walking with me to- as I got to the top, and there's a crowd. There's a picture of me driving it from the bottom looking up. And this crowd is assembled to see this big three-quarter ton truck. Because at that point, nobody had ever seen that before. And this guy goes, that thing got air conditioning? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, heated seats too. Yeah. And, uh, and we made it to the top. But back then, there wasn't a factory vehicle. And it was, it's funny because the Power Wagon team did a ton of driving around Moab. And you could tell everywhere that they went because the rear hitch scraped. And so you could all these great Moab obstacles had these big scrape marks from the hitch. And you knew the Power Wagon team had been there. And because of that, the Power Wagon had a forged uh, steel collar around the hitch instead of a, a cast piece because it was stronger to support the way the Power Wagon dropping off ledges. But I, I'm always going to be sweet on the Power Wagon. The new version is obviously the best to date. It's just a fantastic vehicle. Are there powertrain options? Nope, just the 6.4. I know okay. everybody just wants. The 6.4. Yeah, I know everybody wants the diesel, but honestly, there's a couple of things. The diesel's super heavy. Sure. And then also the cooling stack gets into the you know, sway bar, and the suspension would have to be a lot stiffer. They've built one-off Power Wagon, you know, with the diesel in the past as like concepts and things, but it just doesn't feel the same. So this is the best it can be. I, I think so. Okay. I think so. I think there's as a, far as options. Are yeah, concerned. there's a there's a uh, a cottage industry in the aftermarket that will take your your Cummins powered Ram 2500 and make it very Power Wagon like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Power Wagons, it's a special truck. It really is. And and you know just to put a fine point on all of that. So the, the, you know you mentioned a lot of it. The 75th anniversary. It's a little exterior, a little interior. Uh, it's got some special Power Wagon 75 years of service uh, badging. Uh, uh, what I think is just a striking black grill mesh with a gunmetal RAM uh, grill badge that you see there. It's got some graphics uh, on the tailgate as well as uh, uh, rock rails with the sidestep capability, as you've seen. Uh, standard premium headlamps uh, as well. It's just it's just a really, really strong look overall. Really solid presence on the road. Like you said, first time ever off-road pages that show ride height, transfer case position, pitch and roll, uh, as well as the accessory gauges. So uh, hey, a little bit of something for everybody. A little exterior, a little interior. Really, really cool package. So I just got out of our four-wheeler of the year, four-wheeler pickup truck of the year winning 2019 Ram 1500 Rebel and uh, put you know, about 18,000 miles on it in the uh, in the past year. And I, I have to tell you that 
a year of living with that truck was absolutely incredible. Didn't have uh, any major issues with it. You know, a couple little warranty like updates and stuff. Nothing that took it out of service. The dealer handled when it went in for oil change. Nothing certainly that bothered me. It was like torque uh, windshield wiper arm or something like that. Um, dead nuts reliable, super capable, amazing ride. We chose the um, the non air suspension steel spring uh, version because it's uh, you know you go a little bit faster off road and stuff with the Bilsteins that are on it. I'm starting to see rebels everywhere, but to me. My wife's a, a, she's not a car enthusiast, but she's a vehicle person. She, she's very in tune with the vehicle she drives and whatnot. Because and of you. No. Because you no, broke no, no, off no. on her. When, no. When I met her, the past five years before she met me, she had five lease returns where she got bored with the car and turned it in that same year. Hmm. And I'm like, you can't do that. You know, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that. You're way upside down. Yeah, you don't get, you don't get to, yeah, anyway. painful. So, yeah, we fixed that. But um, when it pulled away, she goes, that's the one I missed the most. We should have just bought it from them. You wrote in it many times, and uh, I mean the uh, the AV. I mean, well, that the, was a Rebel Twelve, so we okay, had the, the the leather interior yeah, with the twelve inch screen. And uh, right. Mike, I don't know if you know the the story, but when uh, when Jim was in your role and he brought me into uh, Auburn Hills to the dome to show me the DT stuff, um, one of the things that he and I had talked about was I hated that LED lights um, on the vehicles would be mixed with incandescent lights, right? And so he was really proud to show me that, you know, everything was a, an LED light. And we sat in the Rebel, and he goes, what do you think? And I'm like, why can't you get this with the 12-inch screen? And he's like, well, I don't know. Why not? You're Flash right. forward. So, he's, yeah, so we start talking about it, and I said, listen, there's guys like me out there who love technology and love the leather and and some of the, and the luxury, but I also want the off-road package. And so – um, that's kind of the conversation that started Rebel 12. And when I found out that, you know, Ryan and the interior team were able to, to fit that in, obviously the Rebels on a, a, has a different wiring harness than, say, the Limited. And so there are some things that had to be done. But I think that was the right move because having lived with that vehicle for the year, there was so much stuff I was impressed with. What, just one example is on the 12-inch screen, I use CarPlay a lot because I'm in and out of a lot of vehicles, so I rely on it. The fact that you could keep the CarPlay card on the top half and still access all the vehicle functions on the bottom half was a game changer in terms of interacting with the vehicle. It, it was um, honestly one of the best um, uh, developments on that truck that we've had. And, and as you've described, I mean, it, it, it first, it's no longer taboo to have a full-size pickup uh, as your everyday driver, right? Can I steal a quote from you, uh, Mike? You were talking about the seats, back seats that do front seat things. <laughs> I think that we need to uh, use that, Holman, in the future. Backseat, back fr- seats that do front seat things. We should, we're going to steal that from Mike. <laughs> yes. Okay. I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, who who would have thought? I mean, just a few years ago, I, I just I, when you climb into the second row of the seat, and, and by the way, as you know, in our, in the in the all new Ram fifteen hundred, we put an f- extra four inches of leg room, and that back seat gave yes. it all to the customer. Oh, you we, can cross we, your we leg. Know. The best part is, I have a two year old who cannot kick the back of the front seat because it is so generous back there. And when you get into something <laughs> that was smaller, that was me. Yeah, yeah, I right. Yeah, you too. And when you when we get to uh, you know my wife's car, which is a lot smaller, and you know the little one can kick the seat, you're like. Damn it! I want the Ram back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, one other thing I point out, and you mentioned that just the the uh, you really didn't need any additional maintenance, and that and that's great. And it's it's really important. And and this is this is one thing that we've been battling with over time, but we've made a lot of strides in. You know, owner loyalty is a big thing for us, but but loyalty is being fueled right now, not only by the features and powertrains, I think, and of course the luxury that we talked about here already, but but about our improvements in quality as well. And I think that's a really important point. 
as you know, Ram finished third in the JD Power initial quality study, uh, and and also the highest light duty pickup in JD Power's appeal study uh, this most recent uh, year. And that's a massive, massive improvement for our brand. We jumped from 21st to third in IQS. Wait, 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 wait! Stop, stop, stop! <laughs> Put the brakes on. Pump the brakes. What twenty? What to third? Twenty first to third. I mean, that's a huh. fair. That's a fair leap. Yeah. In, all, in all honesty, it shows. I mean, it does show. How does yeah. that happen over time? Because look, I mean, there. Rewind the clock not too long. FCA products, you know, it, it, some some were tarnished. But well, Ram, I'll, I'll Ram go back step, to the, I have a Daimler product. Daimler, yes. Yeah, FCA has well, been pretty good. Okay. Because they allowed the company to reinvest in, and that's when the quality got better. But then Ram breaks off, does its own thing, and says the only way we're going to get truck enthusiasts is by making a good truck. Yeah. And that means stick by them. We need brand loyalty. We can't leave them on the side of the road. We can't have, we can't have you know, uh, window roll-up buttons break. We can't, all these little things that the other manufacturers are guilty of you guys are stopping that. How hard, how monumental yeah, what did is you that have, task? What did you have to do in order to improve the quality? What are some of the it, it was, steps? It, it, honestly, it was a renewed sense of purpose and discipline. And when we knew that we, when we were getting ready to bring the all-new Ram 1500 into the marketplace, and from its very infancy, designed to be a no-compromise truck, and that meant also on quality. We could not compromise. We had to be disciplined. We had to be committed with a high level of rigor. And that's finally what you're starting to see in the numbers. Because I'm not, I don't want to bury my head in the sand. I know that we've been considered risky purchase in years past. So if we were going to emerge from that and and bring new people into our brand, we had to fix that. We had to be committed to it. And I think we have. And it's starting to show not only in these awards, but we now only maintain, not only maintain the highest owner loyalty in the light duty segment, also in the heavy duty segment. And our conquest to defection ratios are at the highest points ever. Simply put, more people are switching to RAM than ever before. And I think that's a big, big reason why. As proof, Pullman, yeah. if you're Osnom, I think that's how you pronounce it, and you can choose from any vehicle, any platform, on, any platform yeah. on the planet to turn into a- Are you talking about Italian coach builder Osnom? I, yeah. And you're going to make a Bentley uh-huh. you know, out of, out of a truck. What platform do you choose? Well, You choose the Ram. Apparently to the press release that I received from Asnom, they are choosing the Ram 1500 and turning it into a luxury <laughs> sedan. Um, I got to say that your designers, Mike, much better eye. Yes. I, I think they kind of- nice, That's a nice way of saying it. They, yes. they uglied up my Ram a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. But I, I guess that there's a compliment in there somewhere that they're offering a $300,000 luxury vehicle- uh, with its own coachwork off of Ram 1500 in it's Italy. It's a weird compliment. Have you seen it? I, I have. I have. And, and you know, I just <laughs> did. You I, I throw to, up in your uh, mouth a little bit. I, I well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to share with you what I actually did do. But I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, you know, I, isn't it like the the? I, I don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking for the silver lining. Fondest form of flattery. Uh, all <laughs> press is good press. I'm not sure which one to choose, but uh, yeah, no, I, I did see it. Um, I would if I were them. If I were me and I was rich, well, you wouldn't have done it. No, first no, of all, no, no, that you're wrong. This is where you're wrong. Okay, I would buy a launch edition TRX. Uh huh. I would send it to Asnom to get my uh, three hundred thousand dollar Coach Work edition. Uh, your upgrade, and then I would go pre-run Baja with it. <laughs> oh no! Pay yeah. someone to pre-run with you in the back, <laughs> drinking champagne. Yes, yes, popping tops. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that happened. Yeah, that's that happened. So that, so that happened. So that. So that, so that happened There was a trend that went down We look back, now we frown
true. Happen again. So that happened. So that happened. Yeah, so, so let's, yeah, don't don't we don't want this to be don't a trend. do that again. Yeah, <laughs> we like we like our Rams the way they are. If All you're right. thinking about turning a uh, a Ram into a uh, some luxury sedan, please just just refrain or have better designers so it's <laughs> right. prettier. Or that that too. Yeah, because the Ram the Ram fifteen hundred that's a pretty truck. I know. All right, I've got one last question. I, I know it's uh, it's late for you, Mike, and I really appreciate you uh, making the time for us. I must have had fifteen people in the last three weeks. Ask me if I knew if you guys were going to either support or send a TRX or be involved in desert racing in some way. Is there any definitive answer to that question? Because I've had uh, here, to tell people I don't know. Here's the here's the uh, the honest answer. It, it feels like a natural place to be. I, I don't have an announcement on that here today, but it's at the top of my investigate slash priority list for 2021, guys. We're we're going through all the budgets right now. It makes all the sense in the world to be engaged in that community, in that sport, in that lifestyle, for sure, without question. Uh, and right now, we're uh, everything is on the table. We're looking at what makes the, the most sense for us. But stay tuned. Uh, I'll keep you posted as soon as I have more. So that's a, that's a long yes. Well, or a, or a strong maybe. No, it's not a strong maybe. That's a yes. It's going to happen. Are you going, you're going yes? Yeah, absolutely. Are we doing prices right rules on this too? No, I'm saying it's yes. It's yes. He wants to do it. Look, he's the head of Holman. I don't know. Yeah. Read the top of my paper. Head, head of, of Ram, Ram Trucks. Trucks. Got it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's got the juice. To Mike, make it the, the only thing I ask is if uh, if something like that comes together, please tell me how I can be involved. And this is where I'm going to flex my uh, I know Mike Koval muscle mm-hmm. and see if I can uh, be uh, be a part of that in some and, way. And this is lightning, and I'd be happy to ride in the bed. <laughs> well, it's good because you would be good ballast in the back, so when you jump it, uh-huh. it doesn't go nose first. But it never goes. It doesn't go nose first anyway. Ooh, yeah. I wonder if it's smart enough to understand you're in the back. And adjust accordingly. I don't know. He's got programmers. <laughs> Add 200 pounds to the <laughs> rear. To the bumper. <laughs> oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for, again, carving out the time. You're always very gracious, and uh, uh, we appreciate it. And, man, the news just keeps just keeps getting better from Ram. Yeah, and when you guys have uh, something else to talk about, get that Todd guy to call me, and uh, we'll get you back. Guys, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for, uh, for uh, you know, keeping our appointment here. I know we talked last time. Uh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Okay. We'll talk soon. Fantastic. Sounds good. Thanks Mike. Have Thank you. Night. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. See ya. So it turns out the uh, TRX is a nice truck there, Holman. I don't know if you knew or not. Uh, I've heard. I've oh, heard. wait, you were the guy that uh, drove it and I didn't. Yeah, that's right. I hate you a little. Yeah, Just a little. That's to be expected. <laughs> All right. Well, you know who I don't hate? I don't hate you guys for listening. We love you for listening. Trick Show Podcast. Thank you. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show, oh, oh. All right, we want you to send us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. I oh, almost forgot. forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God damn it. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And on the next episode, we're going to play your five-star hotline calls, 657-205-6105, 657-205-6105. All right, he's at LBC Lightning. I'm at Sean P. Holman, and together we are at Truck Show Podcast, so please hit us up on our socials. Uh, but don't send any Truck Show Podcast messages there because we'll probably ignore them. Just send it to our email. Make it easy for us. I mean, that's it. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. I don't need to say it more, do I? I don't think so. You know, I really think we should do a USOD, though, where we actually do go through our, all of our social messages because there's a bunch of them that are just sitting there that I haven't, I'm looking and they've got the unread dot next to them. 
We should just do one show where we just see what jewels are uh, are in there. I try to keep up on our DMs on Instagram because people are off it. Jacob Boone is always sending oh us stuff. Oh, my God, Jacob Boone. <laughs> he actually thanked me for calling him out last time. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, hey, thanks for mentioning I'm me I'm going to send you even more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But he's got some good ones. But what's funny is Jacob will send me stuff that I'm already following yeah. at, like, C10 that's Vatos how, well, that, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, But that's how you know that you are still in the know. And that you're still cool. Oh, yeah, because I'm Because people are sending you stuff that you're already Dude, following. saw that like an hour Dude. ago, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now come at me. Is it just me, or do you also get a bunch of stuff from Static X? Yeah, because I, I always look at it and go, is he in the band? Um, <laughs> I, I do. He's he's very similar to Jacob in a way that he's always sending me stuff that I'm already subscribed to. That's not true. Every once in a while, he'll send me a gem that I missed. So I do appreciate it. Keep them coming. I mean, we sit through it, and uh, I, I, we, I try to respond, you know, when appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like we like interacting with you guys on on social. It's fun for us, and uh, we it just it, it shows that uh, somebody cares and is and is actually listening to the show. I mean, if we did this as a day job, then we would be really good at it. But but, but because we do it as a night no, job, we're yeah, not. We mostly suck. Yeah, we're just like you, except we have two microphones we, and a computer to record. Yep. Uh, so guys, mm-hmm. I seen the suckage meter. Yeah. You've pinned the needle on this episode again. Ugh, it seems so unfair. Well, here's the deal: if you want to go somewhere. In something that doesn't suck as much as we do, and in fact doesn't suck at all, head on down to your Nissan dealership. Check out the Frontier, the Nissan Titan, the Titan XD, both of those Titans with a industry-leading five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And you can also check out their commercial line of vans. So if you're like Lightning and you've got a little commercial business and you want to wrap some cool logo on the side of it, do that on a uh, on an NV. That'd be cool. Build in price, NissanUSA.com. What, what what you're talking about? My, the clothing store? Well, I mean, yeah, you used to be a small business owner. I did, yeah. Huh. I remember those days. <laughs> what, what's it like being poor? <laughs> I mean, freedom, having freedom, more of yourself. It feels normal. <laughs> I, I I was a, I was a big fan of owning a business, and uh, yeah, that was great pre 2008. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my 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 buddy Sean still keeps it going and keeps the uh, what do you call it? The lights on. I think that is appropriate. I was going to say the gas lamp or gas lights or what do you call it? What are you, Motel 6 or are you in San Diego? We're keeping the lights on for you. All right. Well, enough of this ridiculousness. Clearly, uh, Lightning uh, has to have some sort of uh, weatherproof container for all of his flubs on the show. Mm -hmm. So, uh, might I recommend a uh, deck? A a second deck. No, because I've already filled the first D bag. I carry it around on my back like a badge of honor or like a a deck system for your back. Yes, like that. All my flubs in one place. That's uh, I don't think it's big. I mean, it's big. I don't know if it can contain all that. You know, what we should do it sometime. What we should go through the cassettes of me on the air in the nineties. <laughs> you know what? We should do that. <laughs> and in fact, I've asked you to uh, pull out some of our flubs. Uh huh. And you refuse to do it on the show. But if you're willing to pull out some of your the cassettes I, from I the radio de- station, I delete all of our flubs. I don't really uh, keep them. Yeah. So I think it would be funny if people got to hear what you sounded like on the air back in the day. If you think my voice is high now, oh. dear God. Hi, I'm lightning. Oh, dude! In like 1991, <laughs> it was just like it was like Mickey Mouse. Can you do that? Can I do what? Go through some tapes and bring some vintage lightning. I'm not to us. going to. Why? I just I, I I as I'm discussing it out loud, it sounds <laughs> it's like a sounding bad worse idea. and worse. Yeah, it sounds awful. There's places on the internet you can find some of that. Uh, find me? Yeah. Oh yeah, I know there is. There's Kevin and Bean Archive. Yeah, archive yeah. yeah, but I'm just talking about me doing a commercial for like the Safari Bar. Just in West do it. Covina. Come on. All right, I'm gonna work on you over the next couple of episodes. We we got to hear vintage lightning because <laughs> um, I was about oh I don't know 12, 13 at the time. Mm-hmm. So. 
It's These funny. would be commercials with Michael the Maintenance Man and Big Dad and <laughs> yeah. the other guys that I was doing the stints oh, with. Dude. Oh, boy. That would be awesome. Oh, that'd be embarrassing. Podcast at gmail.com if you, you uh, want to convince, if you convince uh, Lightning to hear some vintage Lightning on air stuff. <laughs> There's no way they want to hear it. There's, that's not good for anyone's ears. Oh, it's funny, though. It's good for the soul. May not be good for the ears. Definitely good for the soul. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks to Nissan, especially Dak. And uh, all right. Well, uh, once again, thank our presenting sponsor, Nissan, for uh, putting up with us, and of course, friends over at Dak. So, if you're like Lightning and you have all sorts of old uh, baggage you are carrying around <laughs> with you, don't do it on your soul. Do it in a D bag or uh, a lockable yeah. storage system like the uh, deck drawer system. And hopefully, here in a couple of weeks, we can finally talk about the thing that we can't talk about. Deck.com or at Deck USA. Dude, that was painful. Which part? All of it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Holman, one more thing, if you uh, have a sec. Yeah, of course. I wanted to say a few words about a friend of mine who recently passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Who who was it? Stephen Siaburi. Uh, sounds familiar. Owner of Proformance Diesel in Bakersfield, California. Oh, yeah. You were just up there. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I've gotten some interviews. I'm going to play an, actually an interview with this guy, Stanley, that I uh, uh, came in contact with up at uh, his event. But, uh, yeah, I went up to Proformance to hang out with Steven, and he was kind of the, the bad boy of, of Diesel in the last couple of years. Ran a group called L5P Tune Brotherhood on Facebook and had a, had a cult-like following. And um, was really kind of pushing the industry forward for in, in diesel in his own way. Yeah. So he was driving um, his 1949 Ford F1. This is a, a famous truck that a lot of people may have seen called Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, uh, it's like a rat rod. Right? Yeah, 1,000 horsepower. So he's driving this truck and something happened and uh, it, he, he crashed and he did not survive it. Oh, man. Sorry to hear that. That's, so uh, That's tough. The guy was... Uh, uh, outspoken, lived life fast and loud, and uh, I think was an inspiration for a lot of a lot of guys online, uh, be it good or bad. I, I don't know, but he was definitely someone um, huge personality, uh, especially in the diesel world. So, um, you know, I have a feeling that uh, he's going to be uh, doing more nitrous burnouts up in heaven. But I just want to do, uh, you know, give a an R.I.P. a rest in peace to uh, Stephen Seabury. I'm not sure what else I can say without sounding super sappy, but uh, I don't normally get like rocked with this stuff. But this one was weird. Like I I got the news in the morning, and it just wrecked my day. Super weird. Is it weird? It sucks. It does suck. Anyway, I didn't mean to be a downer, but I know that um, uh, some some of you guys know who he is, and uh, I don't think I'm breaking any news at this point, but uh, Stephen, you, you will be missed. <laughs>